What's going on, everybody? John on here with you. I'm going to be joined by my play-by-play -play host, as always, for these Calgary games. It is the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. It's the Battle of Alberta. Has not happened since 1991. There is so much intrigue in this matchup. And again, it doesn't matter if you're a U.S. sports fan or a Canadian sports fan or... If you just love hockey, it's one of these situations where you're going to get something that you haven't seen in a long, long time as far as intrigue and things like that. So let me give you some starting lineups. I know he's waiting on the ESPN side of things. We're going to go through the Canadian National Anthem, all that stuff here momentarily as everyone else is lined up. So let me give you some starting lineups here. So it's Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Kyler Yamamoto with Darnell Nurse and Cody Ceci on the first line defense. Ryan McLeod, Evander Kane, Zach Hyman, Duncan Keith, and Evan Bouchard. It's Ryan Nugent Hopkins with Josh Archibald and Derek Ryan, and then Zach Cassian, Chris Russell, and Jesse Pugliarvi with Brett Kulak and Tyson Berry. So there's a little bit of an injury concern here for the Calgary Flames, so we'll see how they adjust that, and I'll make note of it here in a second. So it's Elias Lundholm, Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk with Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson, Mikhail Backlund, Andrew Majapani, Blake Coleman, Oliver Shillington, and again Christopher Tanev. A couple games ago before in that Dallas series, you got an upper body injury that was undisclosed, just like it is in any other time in the playoffs right now, being undisclosed. So we're going to get that ready to go there as far as moving some things around. It's going to be Kelly Arncroft, Dylan Dubé, Tyler Toffoli with Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, Michael Stone, and then Nikita Zadorov and Eric Branson. It could either be Yusuf Valamaki or someone else, Michael Stone, pinching in that for that as well on that side. And then your goaltenders are going to be Mike Smith and Jacob Markstrom. So he just started the stream here on the ColorCast side, so I'm going to join him here. And we're going to partake in this one and just enjoy it, guys, because, again, this is just something that you don't see for a long, long time. So this is one of those games, again, it's... I'm really, really looking forward to it. It was a seven-game series for both for the Edmonton Oilers against the LA Kings, and now on the other side, too, for the Calgary Flames between the Dallas Stars. I know that this just shut off, so I'll give you the official call and everything else if I can't get it all this stuff started here. So it's Mike Smith with a 4-3 and record. The game, I played all seven, 229, 938 save percentage, and two shutouts. So the 40-year-old was very, very good on both sides. And then Jacob Markstrom. 4-3, 153, 9.43 save percentage, and a shutout as well. So very, very good on that side too, as you would expect. Stanley Cup playoff, and we are in Calgary, Alberta. For the first time in 31 years, it is the Battle of Alberta, and I see none other than John Ryan Ott. John, let me, uh, let me get you going here couple of listeners here with us as well. A couple of uh, technical difficulties here on the ColorCast app, so thanks for bearing with me as we get started here at the Saddle Dome. Puck is about to drop for our opening face-off, and let's get uh, John involved here. He's going to handle color tonight for us, and uh, I'm your play-by-play -play man, Cooper Hopkins. So let's get John going here just momentarily. So out for the Flames, their top line of Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, Matthew Kachuk, paired with their... Top defenseman Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin. And uh, John, as we get puck drop here in Calgary, I uh, just want to make sure that I can get you on the cast here. You're able to join me. There's a quick shot by Elias Lindholm, and it is a dream start for the Calgary Flames. The first shot 
of the Battle of Alberta in 31 years goes over the top of Mike Smith's glove, and it is one nothing Calgary. Oh my gosh, John, I need you. I gotta get your thoughts on this one. That was a loose puck that bounced above the faceoff circle as we get the replay here. Johnny Gaudreau starts this one out. Matthew Kachuk on his forehand sends it across to Elias Lindholm. He draws two defenders, and Mike Smith actually had a shot at saving this one, and it bounces off of his left bicep. And it is one nothing Calgary, and the sea of red is going wild. There we go. At oh long last, I have, uh, apologies here. I, I want to uh, make sure that John can join here. I saw his request to uh, jump on board as the co-caster. There's a shot from point blank as Calgary's second line is was made by Blake Coleman. Here comes John. Uh, John, I hardly know what to say, but you're apparently the good luck charm tonight. Is that one? Sneaks in front. John Hawk, it's 2 nothing Calgary. I'm at the top of my register right now, my friend. We are less than one minute into the Battle of Alberta. It's 2 nothing Calgary Flames. Oh, my gosh. Well, apparently Calgary was very ready to storm this Battle of Alberta right now. Just three shots on goal, two goals already against Mike Smith. He had such a great series there from the previous against the LA Kings, but... Calgary's come ready, and it's a quick timeout by Jay Woodcroft. I don't blame him. Two goals on three shots. I don't blame you either, and my friend, I'm so glad to have you here because we have plenty to talk about tonight. I thought we were going to have lots of time and potentially a tentative start to this. <laughs> you know, these two teams haven't matched up in the postseason in over three decades, but uh, it looks like the boys in red have come to play. It is 2-0. We're going to have to wait for these storylines because the storyline is what's happening Right in front of us, the goal scoring for Calgary in 51 seconds. They put two behind Mike Smith, who had an excellent first round. He did, not even a minute in, and Calgary is going to try to do it again here as they have the puck. And uh, I'm imagining, as has been the case, uh, as we've covered games here on ColorCast through the Stanley Cup first round, you're a couple seconds ahead of me, so <laughs> I always give you a tip of the cap for being patient and letting me... Uh, Letting me express my joy as I catch up to you. So here are the Flames now with Dylan Dubé on the ice. This is line three for Calgary. They are going to dump and chase here with 18.45 remaining. And once again, it is nothing Calgary. They scored on two of their first three shots of the night and have already had multiple high-danger scoring chances in less than 90 seconds as that puck is knocked away and out of the neutral zone into the crowd. So a nice souvenir there. For a Flames fan, or potentially an Oilers fans, I see some blue and orange in the stands tonight. And John, dare I say it, this scoring burst from Calgary has just caught me off guard. I fully expected these teams to take a moderate pace, feel each other out through this first period, and then get up to speed. Did you expect this whatsoever? I would say a little bit. I will have a little bit of an addendum discussion for our first intermission and in bringing up these two teams and Edmonton Oilers especially. But yes, it was really difficult against Jake Ottinger, but they've come out and scrummed the barn against Mike Smith, and it's been good to see here for the Flames. Absolutely. So uh, yes, we will certainly get to a lot of chat during that first intermission and beyond. And there's a puck back in the Calgary zone that deflects off of a skate. No icing is going to be called here as Mike Smith, who is known to handle the puck as frequently as he possibly can, backhand, excuse me, backhands that one around. Now in the far corner in the flames end, 
That's Eric Goodbranson sending the puck around behind Jacob Markstrom, who's your starter in net tonight. He's played all eight games so far in the playoffs for the Flames, and that one's floated forward, and Elias Lindholm tries to get a forehand shot on it and just whiffs. Boy, it could have easily been 3 nothing right there, and Edmonton's actually able to keep the puck in here in Calgary's end. That's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but the puck's taken at the half boards by Matthew Kachuk. Now to Johnny Gaudreau. He's going to fire one in on Smith. It's gloved down. So even from 100 feet or so, Johnny Gaudreau is accurate. Puts that one right on Smith, former Calgary Flame goaltender. And the puck scoots all the way around for an icing as Rasmus Anderson chases down first. And we have 17-19 to go here in the first period. Boy, John, I did not. I mean, I cannot hit this button enough. I did not expect to see this kind of scoring from the Flames this early. Now, do you think that there's anything mental going on here with Mike Smith forming his, excuse me, facing his former team, or do you think this is just a case of great puck luck for the Flames as we get underway? Uh, I think more a combination of puck luck, like you're talking about, Cooper, but again, you're playing against your former team. They're ready to go here. It was a difficult series only because of Jake Ottinger. It was 5, 6, and 7 where I thought Calgary played pretty darn well as far as shots on goal. Mike Smith, even though he's been very, very good, not the same level of caliber goalie. And Tyson Berry, it looks like, is going to be going to the box for hooking Johnny Gaudreau. It's going to put the Calgary Flames on the power play. So what a dream start here for the Flames with a chance to add one more on the power play. You're absolutely right, and you know, make make no mistake about it. Mike Smith, who uh, who stumbled a little early in the uh, opening game of his contest and his Oilers contest against the Kings in their previous round, they were able to settle down, as was Mike. But right now, we're gonna have to see if uh, Smith will be able to hold up against the first man advantage that he'll face in this Battle of Alberta. So Calgary wins the faceoff here. They're in the far corner. It's taken by Matthew Kachuk. He sends back to Johnny Gaudreau, who's at the right point. This one's tapped to Elias Lindholm, and that's a save made by Smith. Looks like it potentially hit him right in the logo, and the clear heads all the way down to Markstrom. He settles the puck, and now it's with Rasmus Anderson, who touches back to the fleet-footed Johnny Gaudreau. So the pass to the right side now. Flames enter the zone, but it's deflected off of an Oilers skate. They will maintain possession. It's near their bench, and now they're going to come forward this is a two-on-two, two. make it a three-on-two, as we see Josh Archibald in the back door there, but the pass does not come across in time, and now it's back to the neutral zone. One minute, 18 seconds remaining in this man advantage. There's a slapper in Markstrom's first save. He chooses to play the puck, but apparently it is whistled down before he drops it out of the trapper, and we'll have a face-off to Markstrom's left in just a moment. So, John... Did you happen to get a good look? I mean, listen, I was just settling into the game here. Did you happen to get a good look at Lindholm's goal? So let's recap here quickly because we do have multiple goals scored. Elias Lindholm opens scoring, and then Andrew Mangiapane pots the second of the night for Calgary. Lindholm bobbled a pass and actually regained control, drawing two defenders to him, and then put the puck behind Smith. Uh, we're back into play here, so I'd love to get your thoughts on the first goal when we get our next break. Now here's Doolin Dubé with a toe drag. He tries to do it himself, and Smith is called into action yet again. We're inside one minute to go here in the Flames man advantage. They keep it in at the blue line with Michael Stone. Michael Stone is in tonight. There's a shot and a glove save. Dylan Dubé was about five feet out, probably should have put that one into the net, but was unable to do so. That's Smith's best save of the night. Okay, you're up, my friend. So what did you see on Lindholm's opening goal of the night? 
Cooper, I'm going to say this early right now because we're going to get more action in a second. That was a great glove save by Mike Smith on Dylan Dubé. They needed that to keep this 2 nothing. You're absolutely right, and Smith really answered the call there, potentially seeing now that he may be settling down. Of course, the Flames don't love that. They'd love to keep firing away, and they do right there. Mangiapane, the Flames just peppering Mike Smith. And they're have, I think they have at least three shots now on this power play, and Markstrom will settle down the puck. I'm trying to settle myself down <laughs> and get into a rhythm just as I call this game here. I'm, I'm tripping over my own words and trying to bring John into the action here and get his thoughts. I'm always interested to hear his expertise, and we'll get more of that as this evening continues. So Noah Hannafin at the near boards now going to go down to the trapezoid area. Hannafin again is going to look for the deflection there but it's past Mangiapane and back to the far half boards. Now, this one deflects through the crease area, but no real danger for Smith there. Hannafin holding will send this one around the end boards. It cycles to Michael Backlund. Michael Backlund looks to tap to Andrew Mangiapane, excuse me, Andrew Mangiapane, unable to do so, and the Oilers take over, but they can't hold in the neutral zone as Hannafin drops off. The power play has expired. 14 minutes, 35 seconds to go here in the first. Eight shots per Calgary, just two for Edmonton, and of course, two of the eight have gone into the net for the Flames. It's 2 nothing. Gaudreau picks up there. He avoids a check in the near corner and picks up the loose puck. Tries to backhand around to Nikita Zadorov, who's on the third pairing tonight with Eric Branson for the Flames. Branson looks to clear fans on the puck, and it's luckily picked up by Zadorov and back to the neutral zone. So Gaudreau with an active stick there as he four checks. 14 minutes to go here, and here comes number 97, and he handcuffs Jacob Markstrom with a forehand shot on net. That is the third shot of the night for Edmonton, and potentially the Oilers' best chance. Their shot, and the score! Brett Ritchie puts it in for Calgary, going end-to-end. -end. Save made by Markstrom. Lucic picks up in the neutral zone, and Ritchie walks in from left to right. John Ott. I think the Flames need to save some for the rest of the series because if it's going to go this way, I'm going to be one happy broadcaster. 3 nothing Flames. Cooper, uh, that was just a great play there to get that out in front. Another rebound. It looks like Jay Woodcroft, again, he's already used his timeout. Miko Koskinen is coming into the net for the first time for the Oilers in their playoffs. So... Mike Smith, he's given up three goals. He made six saves. He looked a little bit suspect with the rebound control, but I will say this now that we got a little bit of a stoppage here. Calgary came out and punched Edmonton right in the mouth. There's no doubt about it. All over Mike Smith. Rebounds, everything else, what have you. They were ready to go here. Mikko Koskinen should be ready to go right now. So this is big time here for Edmonton just to save face. And stay in the game here. I will say that. Again, 3 nothing, but still, we're so early in the contest, you're not throwing in the towel just yet. This is, John, I cannot tell you, obviously, listen, I am excited about what I'm seeing here. That is an understatement. I'm excited to reach our intermission. I really can't wait to let you, I'm just going to blow the lid off this thing and, and, and let you talk about how different this Flames team looks as opposed to the way they performed and, and were forced to perform against the Dallas Stars and one of the hottest goaltenders and the best, by statistically speaking, by save percentage, the best playoff series performance by a goaltender in National Hockey League history by Jake Ottinger. I'm gonna, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but I know we'll be discussing that. I don't blame Woodcroft for doing what he just did. Mike Smith, no disrespect. You're right. You said it earlier. 
it's a different caliber here, and we have ratcheted down the caliber of goaltending, and the Flames have made quick work of these Euler goalies. My gosh. So 13.40 to go here in the first period. I'm literally getting texts right now from friends who are uh, just astounded at what they've seen from the Flames here. It's like they've had the shackles taken off of there. They are just free right now and scoring almost at will as Jacob Marstrom gives up. This is a Mike Smith-type play as the puck's bouncing around. My gosh, I just, I, right when I don't think I'm going <laughs> to have to get called into action and I can try to summarize my own thoughts, no, no, Jacob Markstrom does his best Mike Smith right there, and he almost did exactly what Smith did back in game one against the Kings and gave up a bad goal after having come out of his goal crease. So 13 minutes exactly to go here as Andrew Mangiapane tries to chase down the puck in the trapezoid. He's got Blake Coleman with him and a nice stick right there by Hannafin to keep the puck in for the Flames, but it's chipped out, and Hannafin once again keeps it in. He's going to send it left to right, and Blake Coleman picks up. He sends it back into the crease, and Koskinen is called into action. Can't handle the rebound. That was sort of a slow wrister that made its way through traffic, and Koskinen turns it aside. Now the Flames come back in. Andrew Mangiapane looks for the slap shot, and it goes high and wide of Koskinen's net. So 12.30 to go here. 3-0 Calgary. Coming up the right side for Edmonton is Tyson Berry. This one goes across. Markstrom keeps the paddle down. That's right in front. McDavid scores! And the Oilers answer tons of action here as McDavid shows his elite, almost untouchable stick-handling skills. And he drags that puck across Markstrom's face and tucks it under the goaltender 3-1. to one. I'm going to take a break here, John. This is not the kind of action I expected to see, but it sounds like you were thinking we'd get a game like this. Tyson Berry, clean entry in there. They get the rebound right in front. Elite stick handle there for McDavid. Waits, opens up the five hole, slides it right in. Edmonton now only down two. It's still 12 minutes left to go here in the first, folks. <laughs> Just wild. Just wild. And, and yeah, absolutely, McDavid shows what he can do and serves... Uh, a bit of uh, ice water up to the table for the Flames and reminds everyone wearing red, including the players on the ice, of how quickly the Oilers can answer and how dangerous he can be at any time, and especially if you give him room in the low slot. So 3-1 here. Calgary holds a two-goal advantage over their provincial rivals, and the puck is taken there and dropped off by Mike Stone, excuse me, pushed forward by Mike Stone. And this one's sent over to Gaudreau. Gaudreau now. Back to, looks like, Oliver Shillington, Swedish defenseman. And at the near boards, no, excuse me, that was Lindholm. He's also Swedish, but not a defenseman. 58 and 28 do look a little similar sometimes as the puck's in the far corner in the Calgary end. And this one will be taken out by Johnny Gaudreau. Two-on-two breakout here for the Flames. He's got Kachuk with him now. Three-on-two, excuse me, Gaudreau holds. I am still flustered just trying to get my bearings here. Rasmus Anderson sneaks in. Johnny Gaudreau with a chance in front of Koskinen. The puck is loose. Gaudreau backhands. And Koskinen, no, the puck is in. Johnny Gaudreau raises his hand. Players falling down in the blue paint. 11-11 on the clock as the play is whistled dead. Johnny Gaudreau raised his gloves as if he had scored. We're going to have to take a look at this one, and Johnny Gaudreau looks up to the video board. John, what are you seeing here? Cooper, on that call, that was perfect there. The puck did not cross the red line. We have no goal. No goal. No goal is the call by both the officials on ice and our very own John Ott. And uh, I would imagine, John, I'm not sure if you're keeping an eye 
on the other game that was in action tonight, the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Uh, has that one concluded? Because it looks like my ESPN feed is switching over to a different broadcast here. Yeah, so, uh, you're going yeah. to you're gonna have to switch over now. We can do that with the commercial. Carolina has won in overtime. Let me give you the game-winning goal there. So it was Philip Seidel started the scoring at 7.07 with Alexei Lafreniere, number one pick. Sebastian Ajo in the third period tied it at one with Thibaut Teravine and Seth Jarvis. Ian Cole got the game-winner in 3.12 early in the first with Brennan Smith and Jesperi Kotniemi. So Carolina with Antti Ranta again as the one in pipes because Freddie Anderson's not going to play the entire second series either. Carolina has taken a big one nothing edge in the first game of the semifinal in the Eastern Conference. My goodness, I just a, a sip of water and a deep breath for me over here. And, uh, John, I think now is it, while we have another moment or two before we come back from commercial. <laughs> I mean, listen, Mike Smith, not a world beater in net, of course. You know, he's, he's not considered to be elite at this point in his career, you could argue, was he ever, but he's been serviceable. And he listened, he had two shutouts against the Los Angeles Kings, a 938 save percentage, and he just gets torched in the first part of this first period. And Koskinen has to come in. Connor McDavid answers. What are you expecting for the rest of this first period? Uh, I'm expecting the barn doors to get blown out for the rest of the first and maybe settle down a little bit in the second or third. Maybe that's what we're hoping a little bit, unless we're just going to get a multitude of goals here. But, yeah, it's going to be a little bit nuts, I would imagine, in this first period as nobody's really gotten their bearings yet. I agree. And the barn doors, if they're even still on, they're hanging on by the hinges. And Edmonton wins this faceoff in their defensive end and sends forward. Jacob Markstrom comes out from behind the net and has to play it. The puck is stolen. It's stolen right there by former flame Derek Ryan and picked up by Zach Cassian. So Markstrom's had a couple of bobbles here playing the puck early on. And that shot is just to the right of his post. It's taken there by Dylan Dubé. He backhands it to Callie Yarncroke, who's able to get the puck out of danger and sends back to Edmonton's end. So Jacob Markstrom completely unaware. He was stripped of the puck from behind, and that nearly created a high-danger scoring chance for the visiting Edmonton Oilers. So now Noah Hanvin in the near corner is able to come up with a puck. Michael Backlund with a stick there against Connor McDavid, and the Flames will try to escape this one away, but McDavid keeps it in. Now he has a chance here. He's going to drop it off. That one's taken by Hyman. Hyman scoots it down into the near corner, and now back to the point. Hyman tries to backhand to McDavid. McDavid loses an edge, and we are going to get a penalty call against Michael Backlund. So one of the Flames' best forward penalty killers got his stick where he shouldn't have been, and he put McDavid down to the ice. And it looks like we're going to get a cross-check. Actually, I thought that that would have, was potentially a, a tripping, but either way, two minutes, and Edmonton has their first power play. So we just talked about Calgary's dream start. Well, Edmonton has a chance to cut into that even more with a power play opportunity. They've been absolutely lethal in this playoffs on the power play, as you have McDavid and Dreisaitl on the first line. And that's true. McDavid will be there with his line mate Dreisaitl. The German star forward is in the lineup tonight. He had a high ankle sprain issue as they closed out the Los Angeles Kings. So he is in the lineup. One note, Chris Tanev, the Flames' top defensive defenseman, is not in the lineup tonight. Even though he practiced, he's not able to draw into the lineup. So the Flames do have Michael Stone and Brett Ritchie in the lineup. 
and they will look to kill this penalty here with 137 to go in the power play. 3-1 Flames, 940 on the clock here in the first. And Dreisaitl, wearing that famous number 29, drops back and guess who enters the zone for Edmonton? It's Connor McDavid. Now it's going to be picked up by the Flames and shoveled out back to neutral ice, chasing the puck down is... Oh, had to trouble. That's Leon. Oh, my gosh. He's everywhere. It's Leon Dreisaitl. So Dreisaitl, once again, backhands. It's going to be picked up there by McDavid. McDavid comes in, looks like offside there, was trying to find RNH, and Nugent Hopkins was just ahead of the play. And, uh, John, I'm a little off my game tonight. I, I'm stumbling over my words and over my names. We're rattled I, over I mean, so, so many goals that we've seen so far in this game. It's been absolutely insane, my friend. Yes, it has. Uh, thank you for your uh, thank you for your patience. It's amateur hour over here. I got to get my my you know what together. As the Flames are able to win this draw right outside of their own blue line, and they will shovel this puck down the ice. Half of the penalty has expired, so 58 seconds or so to play here in the Edmonton power play. As Duncan Keith skates this one forward and dumps in towards Markstrom. Markstrom with that big paddle tries to knock the puck free and does so. Here comes Tyler Toffoli. It's a one-on-one. -on -one. He's on his forehand. Fires and a save made. So on the power play, the Edmonton goaltender who is now, of course, Miko Koskinen. He's called into action and he sticked that shot from Tyler Toffoli aside. 33 seconds to go on the man advantage for Edmonton. Some stick handling issues right there for Ryan McLeod. And Eric Branson's able to wheel this puck all the way back down the ice and kill more time. Koskinen leaves there for Duncan Keith, former Chicago Blackhawk. The left shot defenseman nearing the end of his career now, but still solid player for Edmonton here as they're in the second round. It's the Battle of Alberta. First time in 31 years. Eric Branson, big defender for the Flames, looks to get that puck free, does so. And on the backhand, Blake Coleman, two-time Stanley Cup winner. He knocks it down on the ice. Koskinen will have to come out to the trapezoid, and the Flames are back at full strength as Michael Backlund exits the box. Inside, eight minutes to go here in the first period. 3-1 Calgary. Man, we are going to have a recap for you during the first intermission as Johnny Gaudreau picks up the puck in his own end in the near corner. goes cross ice. Looking for, I think, Michael Stone right there. Flames' seventh defenseman. And do we have an icing? Yes, we do. John, have you caught your breath? I think I'm just now just now starting to catch mine. Yeah, I have so many thoughts to be gathered through all this stuff, but it really has been a breath of fresh air that we've seen between the previous two series between these two teams. It's been open ice and goal scoring, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, and we're getting some uh, some good info here, thanks to the ESPN folks. Uh, 19 Hall of Famers all-time between these two teams, and so it's a, it's a huge matchup, not only for the province of Alberta, and Canadian hockey, but for hockey in general, as Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau try to come away out of their own zone after a loose puck is picked up. They will dump and chase here. It is picked up by Rasmus Anderson. He thinks about leaving for Johnny Gaudreau, and there's Matthew Kachuk, who gets a shot off of the shoulder of Koskin, and I thought that one was headed for the back of the net. Now Kachuk having words with the Oilers' captain. I think Kachuk thought he scored there, too, as Rasmus Anderson carried in from the far corner and back behind the net. He fed Kachuk. Kachuk almost put it home, and it looks like McDavid got the stick up high there. You think we should have a high-sticking call here, John? I saw one at the very end of it. It looks like there should be one, but we'll see if it's actually called. Another question here for you, Cooper. What happens if uh, Kachuk punched McDavid in the face? You think Gary Batman would be on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> I think Gary Batman is, uh, let's just say, dialed into this. 
no pun intended, with your phone reference. I think he's uh, focused on this game for a number of reasons. I mean, I think even for fans who are in the United States who maybe don't follow the Canadian teams as frequently, everyone who loves hockey knows how big this series is. And after 30 years, the Oilers and Flames finally facing each other in the playoffs again. Uh, you know, two teams that look poised to make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, I think on paper, the Flames are a little deeper, and they have an advantage, as we saw with Markstrom over Smith. Uh, and there's another narrative we're going to have, John, is uh, what do you think Woodcroft is going to do after that shaky of a first period, three goals in just a handful of minutes? I know we have it, I, Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I was just going to wrap up and say, you know, I, I, I guess this question is largely dependent on how Kos, uh, Koskinen performs. But uh, you've got to feel a little nervous putting Mike Smith back into net for Game 2, regardless of what happens here. Mikko Koskinen has been the Edmonton Oilers' top goalie during the regular season, so I was really surprised, to you, Cooper, that uh, it was Mike Smith in goal and not Koskinen. Again, both of these goalies, Mike Smith is 40 and Koskinen's like, what, 34-35? There's some mm -hmm. veterans at this point. So I would think with this performance, my guess is Jay Woodcroft's going to go Koskinen in Game 2. I really would say that now. Yeah, I think you're right. I actually agree with that. That's a confident call, and I think they're a right one. And uh, so we're going to have no penalty here, even though we got a couple looks at it. The stick of Connor McDavid got up into the chin sort of mouth area, as we see a great shot right there of Flames legend, Stanley Cup winner, the mustachioed Lanny <laughs> McDonald. He's waving his towel, and the sea of red is uh, getting louder and louder. He, of course, won the Stanley Cup in 1989 with the Flames, also a rookie year for another famous flame, Theo Fleury. Uh, and we have a face-off win for the Flames, but the play was whistled dead. So, 3-1 Calgary, Milan Lucic in to take this face-off against, once again, I mentioned this earlier, former Flame Derek Ryan, who spent several seasons with the team before heading up the road to Alberta's capital. And this one knocked all the way down to Jacob Markstrom, would have been an icing, but Markstrom had to play the puck as it was on net. So here comes Oliver Shillington. Left shot defenseman looks for Milan Lucic, but that one is knocked back into the Calgary end by Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Seven minutes to go here, first period. Milan Lucic chasing down in the near corner in the Oilers' end. He just drilled Chris Russell. We haven't talked about Chris Russell yet, and that's the first time we've mentioned his name. Another former Flame. We should also mention Brett Kulak in that same sentence. He's playing defense for Edmonton. He came up through the Calgary farm system and played a handful of games for the big club several years ago. So this one sent through from the right point. Flames maintaining possession here in the Oilers' end. Six and a half minutes to go in the first. Michael Backlund, great stick right there, keeps the puck in the far corner. It's tapped back around. This one's going to be off the glass and out. Chris Russell right there knocks it all the way down. And no icing as Noah Hannafin picks up. Or no, correction. Boy, <laughs> Of all my Achilles heels, I always misread when it is or isn't an icing, something that I need to iron out here as we move ahead in this. Well, my gosh, I'm just getting the replay of Milan Lucic's hit against Chris Russell. Chris Russell, pretty diminutive when compared to Milan Lucic. Um, and the puck was near enough those, to those players. I thought there might have been an interference call, but luckily Lucic avoids two minutes. Gosh, John, I want to let you get in a word edgewise here. I just keep running my mouth. I think... I'm a little overexcited, my friend. Six minutes and 18 seconds to play here in the first. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets that forward. 
and then all the way up to Derek Ryan, but it looks like the Oilers were changing here. So Michael Backlund now gets a stretch pass and cycles this one around from left to right in the Edmonton end. Michael Backlund chasing down in the near corner. He's got the puck, sends it back to Nikita Zadorov. Player goes down there for the Flames. I wasn't able to see who that was. It looks like, yes, it was Andrew Mangiapane. And we are going to have, John, do we have a penalty here? Yes, we do. We have two minutes. Spoilers going to the box for interference. Duncan Keith is going to the box at the 14.09 mark. Yes, he is. Andrew Pongi. God, I can't get that name tonight. John, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. You're going to have to delete the audio. I'm just, it is, I said it before, I'll say it again. I have to be self-deprecating here. It's amateur hour. I just can't even say Andrew Mangiapane. He was moving his feet to Koskinen's left, and Duncan Keith got a little too much of the body there and sent him to the ice, and he is has been sent to the penalty box. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop saying words, John. What are your thoughts? I'm not even going to try to prompt you. Just tell me what's in your brain right now. So, superstar Cole and non-Cole, Connor McDavid, definitely got that high stick up in the mouth, no doubt about it. And then Milan Lucic definitely just turned the last guy into an ice cream sandwich where there was no penalty call there. So the referees are definitely letting these guys play, which is really fun. And like we said, there's just been so much offense, and I think it just comes to the aspect of the L.A. Kings were a really good defensive team. Again, they pushed the Edmonton Oilers to Game 7. Don't forget, without Drew Doughty. So the Los Angeles Kings, again, they're going to be just fine. There's tons of good young players on that team between Roy and Mikey Anderson, Sean Dursey on defense. They're not even 25 years of age yet. Pushing them in Edmonton to 7 is very, very good on that side. And again, as we've talked about, Cooper, I think 5, 6, and 7 were good games there for Calgary. Lots of shots on goal against Jake Ottinger. Again, Jake Ottinger is not Mike Smith, and now it's Miko Koskinen. So... You're seeing the luxuries of not having as good of goaltending on the side of both because I think Jonathan Quick was even really good in that series too. So right now we're seeing the offense, but I do anticipate between the second and third it might slow down a little bit here. I, it would have to. You can't stay up at this kind of pace. Right, you are, and uh, this has just been a wild one so far. 15 shots for Calgary, 6 for Edmonton, 3-1 to one. Flames, the home team. With that two-goal advantage, as we see Daryl Sutter's son, Chris Sutter, in the crowd, who always gets the sea of red going here at the Saddle Dome. Inside six minutes to play as the offensive face-off for the Flames was lost to Edmonton, and the Oilers were able to clear all the way back down to Markstrom. Rasmus Anderson was on the puck momentarily. He leaves it for Johnny Gaudreau. He skates to the neutral zone. Gets that one to Blake Coleman. Make that Elias Lindholm. Here's Gaudreau with a high slot shot save made by Koskinen. That one was right into the Oilers logo. So Koskinen answers the call yet again. And he has certainly been a more steady presence than his counterpart, Mike Smith, who allowed all three goals tonight in this first period. Johnny Gaudreau skates in, leaves for Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk tries to go cross-size. Dangerous pass there. It's picked up. A partial two-on-one for the Oilers. Coming the other way and whiffing on it right there. Looked like that might have been Darnell Nurse. I couldn't get a number on it. May have been also Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, Matthew Kachuk now is a 2-1 the other way. Kachuk holds, fires, and this one is either off the crossbar or off of Koskinen and up into the netting. So a short-handed chance there that was missed. It really easily could have been 3-2 Edmonton. And Kachuk shaking his head as he gnaws on that mouthpiece and heads back to the bench. It looked like it might have went off the stick of Chris Russell and up and out of play as we're going to get set for a draw here. 
And you're right, I did get a chance to see that replay there. So uh, good job by Chris Russell getting his stick low and on the ice. And he sent that Matthew Kachuk shot attempt up into the netting. So the Flames win their offensive zone draw here. But a nice push off the puck is Brett, excuse me, I think that's Brett Kulak. Yes, it is. And he is able to clear that puck down to Jacob Markstrom. 4.40 to go here in the first period. And John, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe our penalty has expired and the Oilers are back to full strength. Or I'm not, I'm not seeing the uh, power play. Right. Uh, I know the, right now I'm a little bit ahead of you, but they're still on a power play right now. Okay, apologies. Yeah, I did. We no longer saw the uh, under the score Chiron on the screen, uh, the power play indicator. So we're back. Excuse me, not back. We remain on the power play. John, I'm just going to chalk up this first period of practice here, my friend. <laughs> I'm, I am I'm truly just, just kind of tumbling down a hill right now as uh, Noah Hannafin's shot is saved relatively easily by Koskinen. And we are just over four minutes to play here in the first. No, I, I, I cannot emphasize it enough. I'm doing my best to call this game. And <laughs> it is truly a good learning experience for me. Um, it's, it's certainly as a fan of the Flames, I've never experienced while doing color cast or any type of broadcast, I've not seen this type of activity from a scoring standpoint so early in the game. And it's taken me <laughs> over 20 minutes here of real time just to uh, steady myself. So the Flames chase down, the puck's in the far corner in their own end, and now I see Markstrom smacking that stick against the ice to indicate the end of the power play. The man advantage no longer in play for Calgary. Johnny Gaudreau tries to hold the puck in in the offensive zone, can't do so. Guess who comes through the neutral zone and into the Flames' end is Connor McDavid, and a diving play right there just squeaks the puck past the blue line and out to neutral ice. Nice diving play there by the Flames. 3.30 remaining here in the first period. Eric Branson settles down behind his goaltender, and the Flames will skate this one out. Johnny Gaudreau goes for a change. Brett Ritchie, who's a goal scorer tonight, he has the third goal of three for Calgary. He tries to keep the puck in. A huge hit right there. I think that was Lucic. Lucic with his second. Make it a third hit. He drills Connor McDavid. Huge back-to-back -back hits on this shift, and Lucic is ready to go. He's dropped the gloves. His helmet's off. And he is calling on John. Who can you see? Who is he talking to there? Want, Milan Lucic is incensed. He wants a piece of Evander Kane right now. Evander Kane still with a full complement of protective gear, both <laughs> gloves and helmet on. Lucic missing all of those after two massive hits, and I think Lucic looking a little confused here as he stands in front of his bench. Are we getting a penalty call, or are we just having some discussions with the officials? I haven't seen any yet here, but Lucic is saying Kane just uppercutted me right in the face, and it looks like Lucic might be going off, and Kane might be going off as well. The refs and the zebras are going to try to get everything all squared away here before it gets any worse. Right now, it has Edmonton on it going on a power play for Lucic for a minor, but I mean, there was some punches thrown there. But man, you gotta love that physicality there, Connor McDavid or not. Calgary Flames came to play. Lucic put the body on one of the best players in the world. The animosity is raised up here right now, that's for sure. Boy, you're, you are correct, and I'm not sure how both Darnell Nurse and Evander Kane came for Lucic immediately after that huge hit against McDavid. Mm -hmm. It appears to me that Lucic will be the only player going to the box. It's a roughing call. John, uh, we saw a non-call 
on a clear high stick. Matt uh, McDavid against Kachuk, and now we have roughing. Could have gone both ways. Could have been offsetting minors. Uh, we're going to have to discuss this in a couple of minutes here as we're closing in on our first intermission. I'm not sure we're going to get it all in. We have so much to talk about. It's incredible. So Edmonton on the power play here. Two minutes and 40 seconds to go in the first period. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, ESPN display is not showing how much time remains here in the man advantage. But there's a glove save. Blake Coleman takes a shot, and Koskinen has not let anything in, even though the Flames have had a couple more great chances here. Uh, and, John, I know you're seeing what I'm seeing a few minutes, excuse me, seconds prior to me. Doesn't look to me like Lucic did anything illegal there, though he does sit in the box with a two-minute roughing call. Absolutely no. not. And that's not even just being a fan of the team. He really didn't do anything wrong there. <clears throat> and Blake Coleman with a nice play as well. So a shorthanded chance there for the Flames is turned aside by number 19 of Edmonton. Two minutes, 22 seconds to go here in the first period. Oilers with the breakout. It will be led by Duncan Keith. And that one's intercepted by the Flames right there. Nice job to pass that one forward to Dubé. That was taken by Callie Yarncroke. The Flames on a mild forecheck here. Dubé skates backwards. Now back across the Flaming Sea at center ice. Rasmus Anderson chases the puck down in the far corner in his own end. It's picked up by the Oilers. This one will bounce to the left point and kept in there by Edmonton. But Dubé gets it quickly, and on his forehand, he'll send this puck all the way back down. Koskinen way out of the net. Plenty of time to settle the puck and leave for Keith. Keith skates forward. Leaves it here for Leon Dreisaitl, wearing his A on the jersey. Assistant captain gives it to the man wearing the C, and there's a backhanded shot by McDavid. Goes across the crease. May have gotten a blocker on it, did Jacob Markstrom. Back to the right point, taken there by Evan Bouchard. And now it's back to Bouchard. Bouchard steps in. Now there's a shot by Dreisaitl. This one's off the left shoulder of Markstrom. Nice opportunity there on the power play for Edmonton. I believe maybe their first or second shot of the power play as we are closing in on the one-minute mark here in the first period. 107 to go to be precise. Now here comes Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's going to try to knock this one in for... Brett Kulak, but Lucic now out of the box. He's at the near boards, fighting alongside Darnell Nurse. And there's Elias Lindholm. The puck's still in Calgary's end. Lucic on it. He's able to forehand that one out. Ooh, just barely. Johnny Gaudreau, who's wearing the assistant captain's patch for the second consecutive game after on the 67th shot of the night, he ended the series against the Dallas Stars and Johnny Gaudreau with a loose puck there. That looked like a routine play, and the puck bounced back toward Koskinen. Gaudreau almost had a chance to score one here in the final 30 seconds. So the Flames have the possession. Matthew Kachuk with the puck. Sends that one off the back of Jesse Pugliarvi. And with 17 seconds to play, it's back behind Koskinen in the trapezoid. And it'll be held there by Chris Russell. 10 seconds to go now. Michael Backlund on the forecheck. And then the Puck is sent along, still in the neutral zone now, and it will slide all the way back to the Edmonton end. And the Calgary Flames fans stand and wave those red towels. Two goals in 51 seconds. The fastest two goals to start a game in NHL playoff history by the Calgary Flames. And we head to the first intermission. Time for a deep breath for this broadcaster. John, if you can uh, prop me up here, I would appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to have to... I might have to lay down. It's 3-1 Calgary <laughs> if we head to the break. 
Well, as you and I have talked about from the previous series, we're going out with massive anticipation for this one. It hasn't been since 1991 since these two teams squared off. I mean, you know, you have Laney McDonald, you had Wayne Gretzky, and all this. It's all these other Hall of Famers. What's this going to bring? Well, it certainly brought a sense of offense that I think some of us probably did expect, probably not to this level. Let's be fair about that, but still... Goaltenders aside, the goals against average are going to be hurting in Calgary. You would have to love it. They came out there, punched Edmonton right in the mouth. They were ready to go there. It was Elias Lindholm, 26 seconds in from Rasmus Anderson and Johnny Gaudreau. And then Andrew Majapani with Backlund with the assist. Not even a minute in, already up by two. And as you've talked about, a little bit of rebound control, maybe a little bit of misconstrued there for Mike Smith, but Edmonton was not clearly ready to start this game in the same way that Calgary was. And there's a few things we can go over some of the scoring summary there, Cooper, but I again, before we end this first intermission, I do want to make an addendum here for the Edmonton Oilers as far as some of the production and then maybe why we're not seeing some of that right now. So... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, the, the floor is yours. I will, I will certainly chime in. But, uh, you know, we have any number of storylines to talk about now, you know, the least of which is uh, not the least of which is uh, the, the Flames performance and how they had to grind out shot after shot after shot against Jake Ottinger, who, listen, standing on his head, that doesn't do it justice. It was a, a playoff performance for the ages by the young Stars goaltender, and uh, I think the Flames are almost, it's like they're coming out of a slingshot here. And, you know, the offense may plateau a bit as we get to the second and third periods, yet to be seen, of course. But what a start for Calgary. Uh, yeah, John, any angle you want to take it, let's, let's just break this thing down. Okay, so for Jake Ottinger, like you said, the 23-year-old, I think it'd be fair to say at least I'm going to throw this out there because I believed it. He was the best player in the entire series of the entire first round. That's what I wholeheartedly believe. When you're in the same sentence as uh, Dryden, as far as goalie, you're doing something right. So Dallas has a couple good pieces, and Ottinger was one of those guys. He couldn't really console himself in the handshake line, but he did everything he could to keep Calgary out of the playoffs, force them into a Game 7 single-handedly. But I, I wanted to talk about this part for Edmonton. The last couple games ago that we did, we talked about the secondary pieces because we always mentioned uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I want to throw some numbers out at you that kind of surprised me there. So this is the seven-game series here, and this is just from the Los Angeles Kings, right? So we're going to go to it like this. So Connor McDavid, four goals, 10 assists, 14 points, plus 10, as you would expect. Here was a, a big surprise for me. Do you know Vander Kane had seven goals in that series for nine points and a plus five? Leon Dreisaitl also nine points. Cody CC six. Evan Burchard, five. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, five. We talked about many, many times, was Edmonton going to get that secondary goal scoring to be able to go ahead and win around? They got that against the Los Angeles Kings. Look, Evander Kane was on a million-dollar contract there for Ken Holland for one year. We know about all the other off-the-ice stuff with Kane. I'm not going to sit there and get rid of all of that. But seven goals for Evander Kane, massive points for CC and Burchard, Nugent Hopkins, a just spectacular performance, I will say, for Mike Smith and goal. Again, a 938 save percentage in that series and a guy that probably wasn't even supposed to get the start. All those things had to go right for Edmonton. It took them seven games. Now they're going up against a massively, probably better team as far as all the checkboxes against Calgary. 
And I said to you before, I don't know if that's sustainable. I got that one wrong. I didn't have Wayne Gretzky's perfect bracket. I had seven of eight teams advancing. He had all eight with all the games correct. I had four out of eight and seven of eight advancing. But Okay, my, wait, quick aside, quick aside. Mm -hmm. Which was your one miss? Who did you not get? My miss was uh, Edmonton. I took L.A. Interesting. So that actually just that cycles right back into what you're talking about. Yes. And I agree with you. Uh, please continue. I will simply say I agree with you. You make a great point. Breaking down the stats, Edmonton got, and it was a series of swings, right? Mm -hmm. Where you'd have one, the Kings would dominate, the Oilers would dominate, generally speaking. Of course, there were, there were closer performances as they closed the series out, but a lot of those stats were padded in the first few games of that series. Yes. And it seems to me like your point is being well taken over here on this side of the broadcast. I agree with you and think that it may be a mistake for Oilers and their, the Oilers and their fans to think that they're going to get uh, sustained consistency of the kind that you were just describing. Please please continue. That's just my opinion. Just regular season totals here real quick. Connor McDavid had 125 points. Leon Dreisaitl had 110. That's astronomical, right? The next closest was Brian Nugent Hopkins with 55. So in this playoff series that we've had those outlandish totals there for Edmonton in a 6 nothing in an 8-2, I look at the 82-game stretch rather than that seven-game playoff series. I think that tells me more about the Edmonton Oilers than that series did against the Los Angeles Kings. We absolutely agree on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but you can't talk about that every single time. It's got to be everybody else in that locker room to be able to step up for those guys. And I go along that 82-game stretch more than I do those seven games. Absolutely. Absolutely, and the Flames, of course, as has been well documented, it's been something we've discussed many, many times and will continue to do so. The top line for the Flames, one of the best, if not the best, in the league, uh, balanced hits, passing, chemistry, the goals, the points, they were there. Elias Lindholm, a 40-goal scorer, Matthew Kuchuk and Johnny Gaudreau both eclipsed that mark as well. Uh, Gaudreau, the first to break the 100-point mark for Calgary. He was the first one to do it since the early 90s, and he was joined by Chuck just about a week later. So that, of course, is one line for Calgary. But then you have other players like Andrew Mangiapane, Michael Backlund, who had a bit of an up-and-down year, uh, didn't produce as much as he's used to, but still has the pedigree. He's the longest-tenured flame. He knows the system. Uh, he's worked well under Daryl Sutter. And then you had some great performances including a relatively rare performance by a defender, excuse me, defenseman, uh, Rasmus Anderson, who crossed the 50-point mark. Uh, I think he hit 10 goals, and the remainder of his points, 40-plus, uh, were assists. So you have some performances that the Flames have shown, and it hasn't just been their top two players. The most, uh, the most interesting thing that you pointed out was the canyon between McDavid and Dreisaitl and then Ryan Nugent Hopkins at 55 points. Mm -hmm. That's the jump between a player like Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk all the way down to an Andrew Mangiapane. So I think you make a great point about what we saw in the regular season, what the Flames have shown in the playoffs. The Oilers unlikely to continue doing what they did against the Kings. No, I, I, I absolutely don't buy it. And look, we understand superstars are going to be superstars. Edmonton is not going to struggle to score goals. But tell you this, and I'll put it to you simply, if Mike Smith had 65 shots on against him, 
Would that have been a seven-game series? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jake Ottinger was a brick wall in net, and that's what kind of changed some of those situations in their favor. I mean, look at it like this. I'll throw another one out here to you. Calgary in that series against Dallas was just 8% on the power play. Are you going to take that as a word of gospel? No, the Calgary Flames are probably closer to 25-30% on the power play. The penalty kill numbers probably aren't going to stay at 92% because of McDavid and Settle. I'll give them that. But there's so many things that's going to go in favor of the Calgary Flames. And look, there's definitely going to be some games where there's going to be a lot of goals. We've seen that right now, and that's what's going to make this series competitive. But throughout an entire seven-game course, I just don't see it for Edmonton. Again, I could be completely wrong because I took the LA Kings. I got pretty close, though, in a game seven. I will say that. My goodness, John, let's just quickly take a look at what's happened around the league here. As uh, What we are calling tonight is the final of the Game 1s here in our second round. Uh, do you want to just give us scores from yesterday? And, uh, and, and I know we already covered Carolina in overtime taking down the Rangers. Um, even just personally, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about our two games yesterday, uh, the Battle of Florida and then an overtime win for Colorado. So uh, the Battle of Florida might be on a little bit of a smaller scale than the Battle of Alberta, but it's still very, <laughs> very important I in the sense agreed. that there is a lot of people out there. I know we're probably not one of those, Cooper, but I'm just going to throw it out there. They're saying that Tampa is going to struggle against the Florida Panthers. Are they really? Are they not just one of those teams within the last three years that are still Grindall for it with Julian Brisebois, adding Nick Paul, Ross Colton has definitely developed. Look, they lost some pieces on that third line from last year. They've pretty much replaced all of those, those veteran minimums and all that. That happens well when a team knows that they can compete and these players want to play. Corey Perry's been revitalized. Tampa looks every bit as good. I think Florida, I will say this, I think they're in trouble. I don't know if they're going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. I really don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I also think, and I forget, um, apologies, I forget which player uh, gave this quote, but uh, one of the Capitals stated what I think a lot of people thought and felt, and which I agree with. The, the Washington Capitals basically gave that series back to Florida when they probably, even even playing slightly above average, would have closed things out. Uh, it certainly looked to me, it, just the eye test told me that the Capitals were going to uh, upset the, the Panthers, the President's Trophy winners, uh, but ultimately they were unable to sustain their level of play, and Florida, I would argue, kind of snuck by in that series. And so I, I think that what we saw from Tampa Bay last night, it may not always be a three-goal margin, right. but I think that Tampa Bay may end this thing in five. Yeah, I, I would say five or six, especially two. Maybe I'll give Florida another game in there. But here's another stat there for you. Is Andre Vasilevsky going to have a save percentage in the 800 marks? He was at 897. No, he is not. He did not play that as well as he could have. He's going to definitely step it up now. Tampa Bay knows what they have in front of them. And I think the Battle of Florida is definitely going to matter as far as between these two teams. You don't want to have your little brother, so to speak, kind of get in the way of your back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back. Tampa knows what they're doing. I think they're going to close it out here probably relatively quickly. So it's up to Florida, really. I will say this. They have to win Game 2 at home. You cannot go down 0-2 against Tampa Bay. No, you certainly can. And, and Tampa Bay, a, a, a team that's been tested time and again over lengthy playoff runs. Obviously, we know about their success 
back-to-back cup winners. Uh, I think they're on the doorstep of um, something we haven't really seen in full in a number of years. I mean, you could, uh, what I'm referring to is kind of a dynasty territory, dare we utter that phrase. Um, You know, we've seen sustained, excuse me, sustained success from uh, franchises like Pittsburgh, obviously the the years that Chicago was so successful, uh, and then L.A. with current Flames coach Daryl Sutter winning in 2012 and 14, but we're not talking about the same type of success, right? It's back to back to back. It's when you think about you're basically Michael Jordaning hockey. Exactly. You know, you start to win those things. You're thinking about the Islanders teams. You're thinking about even Oilers teams of the mm-hmm. 80s. Um, is that something? I mean, of course, this is all opinion, and it feels a little hyperbolic, but just speculating. John, if you were to... Uh, Witness with the rest of the hockey world a third Stanley Cup victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Would you consider them a current, a budding dynasty, or none of the above? They're a current dynasty now, so I'm going to stick with current. I really believe that, to be honest with you. Look, I understand a lot of it comes from Steve Eisman's building. I know now he's in Detroit as far as a lot of those other players in there. Full credit to Julian Breezewell and the GM to make sure to keep all of that together and just put the pieces around them to keep the machine going. And a Steven Stamkos resurgence, again, another 60-goal performance. Now, that was Austin Matthews. And again, what was it, a career high, I should say, for Stamkos. He had over 100 points. That definitely really helps there. So, yeah, I think they're a current dynasty. I want to shift really quickly here before we go into the uh, part of the game. For Colorado and St. Louis, I want to mention this because I did cover that game yesterday. So it's one of those situations where Colorado came out, they looked like they hadn't played in over a week and a half. And it wasn't a Daryl Sutter that said, if you're playing against Colorado, you pretty much have an eight-day vacation, then you're going to get swept out. <laughs> then he, he yeah, said, he said something like, you know, uh, I think the media asked him, you know, Daryl, what would you think about uh, taking on the Avalanche? He said, oh, it would be a waste of eight days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and, uh, I thought St. Louis, uh, I'm, I'll just tee you up here. I thought St. Louis with that third-period goal from Jordan Cairo, his fourth of the postseason, I thought that uh, that might be the momentum shift that would see the Blues take game one. But Colorado still undefeated here in the postseason. What are your thoughts, John? So, my goodness, like you said, wasn't that a excellent goal there from Jordan Cairo? Beautiful. Three players and find that one? Yeah, Colorado, again, look, I'm not going to say sleepwalk for the first period. There is something to not playing in almost a week and a half. You're not going to start out strong. Ryan O'Reilly, former captain, got the first goal there for St. Louis. And, again, I looked at it when I'm doing the game. I'm thinking, man, St. Louis could really use an extra goal here. Try to put some distance before Colorado just, you know, snaps their fingers and figures it out. And that second and third period, I know it went into OT, but that second and third period, my goodness, it was lockdown mode for the Colorado Avalanche. You can see why they're 5-0. and They're a dangerous team. And if it's one of those situations, Cooper, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, and it might make you sweat a little bit. Imagine playing Colorado in the next round and then playing Tampa Bay. You really earn that Stanley Cup berth if you're the Calgary Flames. And that could happen, my friend, if you get to this series against Edmonton. You certainly do. I'm, you know, it's there's so many scenarios we could look at. I mean, let's 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 have fun. Hey, that's why we're here. Let's have some fun. So we let's say let's look forward. Uh, obviously, Daryl Sutter would be displeased with us looking past today. It is a, a true one game at a time mentality for the Flames bench boss, but for us, John, we're free. We can look ahead. So let's say. Let's say that we are looking at a, 
Oh my gosh, I'll give uh, my friend, who's also named John, another smart John in my life, my friend Jonathan Fallick, who happens to be from Denver. He uh, gave me a Game of Thrones reference by text a couple of days ago. He says he hopes the Western Conference final is a song of ice and fire. Little G-O-T. <laughs> so the Flames and the Avalanche, if we get there, I mean, you could be looking at a Flames team who is desperate for retribution after getting other than a game one win, basically swept away, just yeah. just manhandled a couple seasons prior by an Avalanche team that was experiencing their Stanley Cup window opening. It was really starting to open wide for the first time uh, in that series, and we saw what they could do and how Nathan McKinnon could take over a game. Um, and the, the pieces they have now in the play of Darcy Kemper, I think... To me, and the way Florida looked against Tampa Bay, to me, Colorado has been the team to beat, regardless of whomever, whomever has won the President's Trophy. Do you see Colorado as the team to beat, regardless of what's happening with the teams in the East? That's very tough. I, I'm going to say yes, because you can't have a situation where you're favored in Vegas over the last two years and have that fall apart. I do wonder about Darcy Kemper. But the thing is, Colorado is so good, Darcy Kemper doesn't have to be spectacular. And that's a nice luxury to have. You know, if you can get your 25 to 27 saves, most likely Colorado will win the game. But that's what it certainly seems to feel like now. Again, we have a long way to go between this Edmonton and Calgary, so it's really just getting underway. But if we're forecasting ahead... My goodness, man, that's going to be so much fun going into the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. I just can't wait to do more games with you. Likewise, and, and we are set here as the players skate to the center face-off circle. It is almost time for the second period. We'll see if we have a, a settling in the, the pace of the, of the play here or if things continue at the extreme clip that they were going in the first period. So... Heading out for the Flames is that top line. It's Matthew Kachuk, Elias Lindholm, and Johnny Gaudreau. And, of course, Miko Koskinen in net. That's the man who they will try to beat and extend this lead as the Flames win this second inter excuse me, second period faceoff. And promptly, just five seconds in, the puck is sent into the crowd for a stoppage of play. So we get a shot here of McDavid on the bench. He'll be back out momentarily and will remain dangerous as ever. He is the only goal scorer for the Oilers tonight. A nice play, great job, working backwards across the crease and putting the puck through the five-hole of Jacob Markstrom earlier this evening. So we'll do it again here. Face-off won by the Flames with a fresh sheet of ice, and it's pushed forward, and then immediately backward, and then immediately forward again to Johnny Gaudreau, who is fending off Derek Ryan. And here's Matthew Kachuk with a shot, almost goes five-hole, but... Closing the door is Koskinen, so the Flames get a shot here just about 25 seconds in, but the puck will skitter all the way back down for an icing call as the Oilers clear to alleviate the pressure. So, John, even though that was a shot from the half boards, it seems that the Flames have uh, continued to subscribe to Daryl Sutter's strategy of shoot, shoot, shoot some more, and then after you've shot, shoot again. Don't deviate from the game plan. It's working right now beautifully here for the Flames. Yes, it is, and that won them the series ultimately. Once again, 67 shots in that Game 7 with the ultimate overtime winner coming off of a sharp angle tally from Flames' assistant captain, newly minted, 
Johnny Gaudreau. So in the absence of Chris Tanev, Johnny Gaudreau wearing that A, along with Michael Backlund, who is on the ice right now. And the faceoff was a bit of a jumble there, and Andrew Manchipani's fighting for the puck in the far corner to the right of Koskinen. Now he actually misses a pass there. It was intended for him, but it went past the tape. Now it's loose in front. There's a shot and a score! Blake Coleman on the forehand gets the rebound, and it is... The same story, let's just read it again. The Flames score inside 45 seconds, and John Ott, it is 4-1 to one Flames. This looks like a carbon copy, as you said, Cooper, here from the first period. Blake Coleman jumps all over the rebound, gets it past a sprawling Koskinen, and loses his goal stick on the 22 shot on board there for Calgary. 4-1 against Edmonton. I'll show you them 22-7. Boy, and you are right. Let's, I, I love that we're getting a great look here, almost a bird's eye look. Rasmus Anderson sent that puck in. Blake Coleman, who had actually laid a nice check a moment prior, he helped start that play as well to clear some ice for, it turns out, himself as he picks up that rebound and buries it at the 45-second mark of period number two, four to one flames. Boy, John, sign me up for a ton of whatever I'm seeing right now. I love this. <laughs> no doubt about it. So here we are, Tyler Toffoli with the puck now as it scoots through the Calgary zone and now back to neutral ice. Toffoli will chase down here. He's pushed off the puck by Brett Kulak. Mentioned this in the first period. That's a former Flame right there, one of many. And that one is backhanded by the Flames toward the blue paint and it's sticked away by Koskinen. Toffoli unable to collect the puck in the trapezoid. Kelly Yarncroak tries to keep it in and the Flames are able to do so. So Toffoli very active here on this shift. He's in the near corner fighting with Evan Bouchard, but the Oilers will gain possession and push this one forward. Now a foot race, Stone's beaten right there by Zach Hyman, but nice back-checking by Oliver Shillington, the Flames' left-shot defenseman, and here comes Johnny Gaudreau off the bench. So Johnny Gaudreau tries to stick Kendall forward, he's able to do so, and he's gotten to Matthew Kachuk, and Kachuk could have shot anywhere but where he chose to fire, as that one was basically right into the bullseye of Maskew, Mas excuse me, Miko Koskinen's target save made a minute later to the moment that the goal was scored. So Matthew Kachuk there and Johnny Gaudreau working their magic for another scoring opportunity. And John, that's going to be something we can talk about during our first commercial break, which will be coming up in a few minutes. Matthew Kachuk has looked a lot more active and a lot more likely to put the puck in the net tonight than he has at any point in the Dallas series. There's a shot right there from the blue line. Flames pick up the loose puck. That's Elias Lindholm fighting for it. He's able to keep it deep in the Oilers zone. Johnny Gaudreau on the forecheck, and the puck will slide back out past the left point. Rasmus Anderson has to chase down. He's pressured there by Evander Kane, who was about to drop the gloves with Milan Lucic in the first period during that controversial roughing penalty, that sequence that sent Milan to the box for two. But we got five on five here, just classic Battle of Alberta hockey, if you consider classic being the Flames absolutely dominating their rivals, which they are, 4-1, and we have 17-26 remaining here in the second period. And it looks like the play is whistled down, puck played by a high stick, or John, I always rely on your uh, support here, are we getting a high sticking call or just being played by a high stick? I think played by a high stick. we got a neutral zone face-off upcoming, no penalties. Great. Thank you for clarifying. And just, I know you only have about five or six seconds here, but do you agree with my thoughts on Matthew Kachuk being much more visible tonight? I mean, obviously he scored in Game 7 against the Stars, but he's looked like uh, he's got more jump in his step. 
Absolutely, and this entire first line between forwards and defense looks like an absolute rolling stone that can't be stopped right now. I agree. So a neutral zone faceoff is won there by Edmonton. It's tried to be slapped in by Chris Russell, and the puck will bounce along the end glass. Milan Lucic there tries to leave for Trevor Lewis, and the puck slides across the ice to Brett Ritchie, who scored goal number three tonight for the home squad. And the Flames dump and chase, successfully gathered by Milan Lucic, but as he passes back to the left point, the puck bounces off of Nikita Zadorov's stick, and now Lucic is chasing down against Ryan McLeod, and a little back-and-forth action here as the Oilers will regain possession in their own end. So holding the puck now is Zach Cassian. Only mentioned him once or twice tonight. And this puck goes left to right. Oilers with possession. Here's Cassian again. So Cassian near the penalty boxes is rubbed off the puck by Michael Backlund. This one flicked on a backhand into the far corner of Edmonton zone. And the Flames gather the puck there behind the goalie. Here comes Michael Backlund, sends this one toward the crease. Doesn't make it all the way through. And now with a wide-open shot, walking in, looking for a pass, probably should have shot, is Oliver Shillington. He had all day and then some, and he might have had too much time to think because he was looking for the cross-crease pass, but really could have fired one. Here's a three-on-two for the Flames. Blocker saved by Koskinen on a shot by Mangiapane, and the Flames will go for a change. The Flames are keeping the pressure on here, John. Boy, oh, boy, we have lots to talk about. I love it. We're seeing some serious heat from Calgary tonight. Now on the backhand, a narrow angle shot right there from Derek Brassard is gloved down and we'll get a breather here. John, what are you seeing? This offensive pressure from Calgary is just relentless. Yeah, basically now they're showing the CBC side of it. Zach Hyman would be going to the bench a little bit. He got roughed up there by Blake Coleman with a beautiful hit. Madripani, Coleman, Backlund, that line is playing excellent as well. Everything going Calgary's way right now and they're just controlling it on offense. Good side-to-side -side puck movement, shots, and they're comfortable. Absolutely. Even players here on the third line, which is out for the Flames, Callie Yarncroke, Tyler Toffoli, who had a great shift uh, a few minutes ago. As uh, Yarncroke is waved out of the faceoff circle, Derek Ryan stays in. Excuse me, Ryan Nugent Hopkins in to take the faceoff, wins it for Edmonton. Here's Cody Cece, and that one is saved by Markstrom. Uh, John, maybe I'm seeing things that that may have touch the post, but we'll find out later on a replay. Cody Cece, by the way, just want to mention this, plus eight for the Oilers in that first round series. So he was on the ice for a lot of good things for Edmonton. And Tyler Foley sends this one over to Kelly Yarn. No, excuse me, Dylan Dubé. Now Dylan Dubé back to Rasmus Anderson is at the right point. He steps in a little closer to the faceoff circle and then cycles it around to Yarncroke. Yarncroke turns back. He's on his backhand now. Drops off for Dubé. Dubé with possession, leaves it for a streaking Noah Hannafin who comes in, tries to wrap around, it bounces off the pad and then the post. So in good position was Koskinen, but Hannafin really got his feet moving and created yet another shooting opportunity for Calgary, but it remains 4-1. And Yarncroft and Kulak had a few words after that were exchanging some cross-checks in front of Koskinen's net. Yes, they did. I can sense, dare I say, assume that uh, Edmonton feels like this one may not be fully getting away from them, as the saying goes, but when you're down by three, you want to up the physicality here in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, that, that might be something we're going to have to monitor as we see our stats tonight. 15 scoring chances for the Flames to two for Edmonton as Calgary gets a shot from the faceoff circle right there. Flames just buzzing, and they get the shot on net again. Johnny Gaudreau skates in from the left point, 
And from where he, basically where he ended the series against Dallas, he flutters one toward Koskinen, and play will have to be whistled dead again. Another offensive zone faceoff coming up for Calgary. If you're Edmonton right now, I know what the scoreboard says, but you don't want to see Calgary Harlem Globetrottering all over you right now. They need a little bit of a pushback. That, John, is very literally the, my most favorite <laughs> thing that I've ever heard you say during a broadcast. The Flames Harlem Globetrotting all over Edmonton right now. Boy, cue the music. They're, they're, they are. They're making it look easy. There are no two ways to say it. Uh, as the Flames win another Ozone draw, that was an issue against the Stars. It has not been tonight. Eric Branson holds in at the left point, excuse me, right point. Now dropping off for Lindholm. Lindholm steps across. He was looking for good Branson, but the pass was just past his stick. But the Flames cycling and absolutely crushing the Oilers in this period as good Branson, who went left to right, shot from the right faceoff dot. That's off of Koskinen and up into the netting. John, what more can we say right now? The Flames look like they are world beaters against this Oiler de defense right now. I know I'm wearing glasses and I have four eyes. I want to double check here with the Cooper. Do the Edmonton Oilers have five players that are out there right now? Because I don't see them. <laughs> well, and they are they are doing the bare minimum. I'm talking about a lucky opportunity. They are basically just hanging on by the skin of their teeth. It could easily be five or six. One right now is Dreisaitl is waved out of the circle. And stepping in to take this face off is Zach Hyman for the Oilers. This period, the Oilers moving right to left on your radio dial. Flames moving left to right. And there's a shot from the point that makes it all the way through. That's one. That one's off Koskinen. And now he's called into action again. I'm barely able to keep up with the play. I'm seeing it a few seconds behind. John, John, you're going to you're gonna have to call the yourself out of the bullpen here to, to use another sports reference. I mean, I'm barely able to keep up with the number of shots the Flames are putting on net right now. The Flames have 40 shot attempts to just Edmonton's 13 for this game right now, and 14 minutes left to go in the second period. Boy, Koskinen thrown right, not to, not to use an easy pun, but Koskinen absolutely thrown into the fire here tonight and has done quite well, 18 saves on 19 shots as Oliver Shillington blows a tire behind his own goalie. This is the first time in a couple of minutes that the puck has been in Calgary's end and they promptly skate it out, excuse me, pass it out. Here comes Lewis. Trevor Lewis chases down. He's a right-handed shot on the forehand here. And he drops it to the blue line. This one's in! It's Blake Coleman yet again! John, I can say it now. The route is on. It is to 5-1 Flames. They can seemingly do no wrong as they open their advantage to four. And Blake Coleman is one goal away from the hat trick. On the Sportsnet side and CBC, for any Oilers fans that are in the Saddle Dome right now, you saw a picture of a woman with her hands on her face and just sigh collectively. Can't believe what's happening right now to the Edmonton Oilers. 31-8 on the shot board, a 5-1 goal advantage. Blake Coleman again, every single line. Daryl Sutter just rolling nothing but sevens at the craps table. This is nuts. John, you are, uh, let's, let, I'm going to switch languages. You are en fuego, my friend, <laughs> just like this Flames team. They, the Flames are almost at will, and I do say almost. There have been some nice stops by Koskinen. Sure. The Oilers have prevented some legitimate scoring opportunities from fully coming to pass. But boy, everything the Flames are doing, playing in close, working the puck low to high, taking shots from their defensive pairs from the blue line. That was the goal we just saw. Coleman working his way toward the net. 
deflects that on the backhand right through the five hole. I, I mean, I barely know how to describe it because there's been so much varied success for the Flames, and that was what they were so missing against the Stars. It just took shot volume, but this time you're seeing the skill of Calgary scorers. Yeah, Cooper, you absolutely nailed it. It looks like a completely different team every time they come down the stretch of the ice in the offensive zone. And that's what's looking really beautiful here for the Flames. And really, again, I, I keep bringing up the last series between 5, 6, and 7 when you have that many shots on the shot board. It wasn't like Calgary toward the stretch in the end of the series against the Stars weren't trying to do those things. They just had a brick wall in net behind them. But I will say this, if I'm Edmonton, you know they're going to make some adjustments in Game 2 and try to get things close because one game does not make an entire series. That's 100% for sure. But at the same time, when they're just running scrimmage all over you, Jay Woodcroft has already used the timeout. They've already done the goalie pull. And if Koskinen gives up another, what are you going to do? Go back to Mike Smith? I mean, you have to have a little bit of a pushback here for Edmonton. This is, I hate to use this word, but it's kind of embarrassing right now in the performance of that. You know Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl want to turn some things around. They need to do, make a pushback now. At least get a little bit into the score line. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the Flames now have put two in in just this period, five for the game. And the fact that you're legitimately, excuse me, you're bringing up a legitimate question. If Koskinen's performance continues to, continues to slide, that's a question you must ask. Yeah. Do you bring in Mike Smith again? I, who knows? But that's the level that Flames are playing at. They're bringing those questions to light right now. Uh, and this is an incredible start to this Battle of Alberta for the Calgary Flames. So at neutral ice, the puck is cycled around, and here comes that looks like Pugliarvi. Yes, it is, wearing number 13 for the visiting Oilers. Kept in there in the near corner by Evander Kane. And you're seeing some of what you were just talking about, John. The Oilers with a bit of a pushback here. As it said, a bit of a bump-up shift for the team in white. But the play is whistle dead. Puck played with a high stick. Second of those we've had in this period, and we're getting a nice little replay package of Lucic. Lucic taking out Chris Russell there, and a play that, if we're being frank, now we're looking back to the first period, Milan Lucic probably should have been called for, could have even been boarding of Chris Russell on that yet, but then he gets sent for roughing against McDavid, but the Flames have been disciplined here in the second period, and that's a big part of Daryl Sutter's team's game, excuse me, a Daryl Sutter coached game as well. No doubt about it, he's one of the best on that side. It's true. So 13-12 to go here in the second period. Stretch pass there from the Flames. Makes it all the way back down to Koskinen. And it's promptly turned over where Dubé tries to gain possession. He's un unable to do so, and it sneaks through to Foley skates. The Oilers knock this one out of their own zone and skated away partial three on two. Backhand pass toward McDavid is collected by the Oilers' captain. Great pass there and a score. McDavid to Dreisaitl. They are showing what they do best. And now we have Hannafin. Hannafin is tied up with, is that Cody Cece? I can't see who he's on the ice with, but they are down on the ice tied up together. Zach Cassian. And it is, yes, Zach Cassian. And, uh, John, even though it's not up on the ESPN scoreboard yet, it, there it is finally. It is 5-2 Edmonton, excuse me, Flames. But Edmonton must have heard you. They did exactly what you were describing what they needed to do. And uh, McDavid essentially working off the near half boards sends the pass across to Dreisaitl, who buries it. And Marstrom, to his credit, almost made a great save. 
And now, John, uh, jump in here for me. We're seeing Cassian go to the box. Is this going to be uh, a minor for Cassian and Hannafin or just Cassian? Just Cassian right now from what I've seen. And from that McDavid goal from Drysdale, I couldn't even make that kind of spin move in my dreams. What a feed from McDavid as he spun off Dubé and dropped it right to Drysdale on the slot to make it 5-2. But it's a Flames power play right now. Flames will go on the power play. Connor McDavid, who has really showed his skill set on his goal, works the stick handling on this goal with the assist with his elite skating. And, and using the word elite isn't doing it justice. No. <laughs> that move is something I couldn't do in sneakers on concrete. I couldn't spin that fast. And he made it look easy on ice on skates. So 1.45 to go here in the Flames power play. Their second unit is on. Uh, make that their first unit, as I saw Tyler Toffoli on the ice there, and it's Toffoli with Gaudreau and Lindholm. I see Rasmus Anderson near the blue line, Gaudreau holding down near the red line. He'll send back to Anderson. Now Anderson goes back to Gaudreau. Gaudreau sends over to Lindholm. That was the shot set up that they like to see, and now we have a three-on-two coming the other way. An offensive chance here, and it's a save made back-to-back -back by Markstrom. Unbelievable chance right there as Matthew Kachuk now has the puck. For the Flames in the Oilers' end, but Markstrom had to answer the call right there. Beautiful shorthanded two-on-one and two opportunities for the Oilers go by the wayside. Now, Gaudreau at the top of the face-off circle looks, finds Toffoli. Toffoli, he gets a defender to take a knee on the ice, and now Toffoli will snap this one across to Gaudreau. Gaudreau at the face-off dot, 50 seconds to go here in Flames' man advantage. That one deflected in! Matthew Kachuk answers! And the 104-point score in the regular season is starting to wake up here in the playoffs. John Ott, it is 6-2 Calgary. If you would have told me there'd be eight goals scored less than halfway through this hockey game, I would have not believed you, 6-2 Flames. Yeah, I try to bring some good analysis for you here, Cooper, but uh, even I would be lying if I thought that was going to be the case. But just to your previous sequence, what a series of two stops there for Markstrom. It could have been a 5-3 contest. It's now 6-2 Calgary again. You don't want to say big-time saves really when you have a three-goal lead, but it's the truth. It turned it all the way around, and now Calgary is up by four. What a sequence there on both sides. They needed their net minder, and he definitely responded. You are correct, and, and this is a, a, an excellent point to be made, and you make it well. Markstrom coming up with those saves when he did. Think about not only the scoreboard, but the morale of the team. Even though you still have the lead, you're giving up a shorty potentially there. He had to make two saves, one with the left pad, and then on the rebound, stretches out the right leg. Now here comes a partial breakaway for the Flames, but guess who's out there? The fastest man in the world is uh, Connor McDavid on skates, and he chases that puck down in his own defensive zone and breaks up a potential scoring opportunity for Calgary. But Matthew Kachuk right there, scoring on the power play, as far as morale goes, does the exact, does the exact opposite for his team. He buries it when his team should, and not only does he put it in, he puts it in with uh, a difficult circumstance. He uh, made a deflection, and then when the puck was in midair, almost off the shaft of the stick, it looks like he pushed that one in past Koskinen to make it 6-2. to two. So we have 10 minutes, 52 seconds remaining here in the second period. Icing is called. And John, we are getting scores from every line, it seems, and solid defensive play from the Flames, minus a couple of breakdowns, which I'm sure Daryl Sutter will focus on. But uh, once again, my friend, we'll have lots to talk about 
during the second intermission. So the Flames, unable to win their offensive zone draw to Koskinen's left. With 10.45 on the clock here in this middle period of three. 34 shots for the Flames, just 11 for the Oilers. Two have gone in, and McDavid has been a part of both. Dreisaitl, your most recent scorer for Edmonton. Falling to his backside is Brett Ritchie, but he's able to dump this one in. It flutters back to him. Now he tries to get the puck over to Milan Lucic, and that is a giveaway. Here comes Edmonton. He's down the left side. There's a sharp angle shot, and it's off the glove of Markstrom and into the back of the net. That is Hyman who puts that one in. Zach Hyman scores to make this 6-3, to three, the ninth goal of the contest, and one that Jacob Markstrom most certainly would like to have back. Yeah, we're going to need an abacus if this continues with the amount of goals that are scored right now. This looks like an EA NHL video game on easy mode. Definitely one he should have saved, but you can also make the argument during that shorthanded chance. Probably shouldn't have saved the first two, so it's still a three-goal scoreline now. It's 6-3 with 10-10 left to go in the second, folks. We've still got a long way to go in, in this game. Oh, I am, I am exhausted. I can't imagine what these players feel like or what these goalies feel like. And, uh, yes, Michael Stone was on defense there against Zach Hyman, and he went for a bit of a lunging poke check, was unable to knock the puck away from Hyman. Hyman just, I think, put the shot on net because that's what the Oilers need to do. They're, at the time, they were down by four, now down by three, and Markstrom was a bit handcuffed. And that shot is from the red line, and it bounces off the outside of the cage and is now back around. Edmonton starting to even things a bit here in terms of the run of play. There's a shot through the crease area. It's deflected away, never actually made it to Markstrom, but a decent opportunity there for the Oilers as we are now inside 10 minutes, and the Flames are forced to ice the puck to relieve some pressure. 6-3 Calgary. Uh, even though it was just those past couple of shifts and there was a goal, John, are you seeing uh, Edmonton potentially balancing things out just a bit here? This is an important four or five minutes here right now. Again, we have 9.40 left to go on the second. Who knows what happens? You get a couple more goals or at least one more going to the locker room to get it within two. You're going to feel like you're back in this game. I agree. There's something about, uh, as the you know the saying goes, the two-goal the two lead being the worst in hockey. And uh, the Flames want to continue to put the puck behind Koskinen and stretch this thing out here. They uh, have a three-goal advantage at 6-3 as McDavid wins this puck cleanly. And that one bounces off a body. It's down in front, and the Flames are able to knock it down as it bounces toward the blue line. And dumping in is Dylan Dubé. The Flames will go for a change here, and the Oilers will control. And here's McDavid with a backhand pass and a giveaway right there to Johnny Gaudreau. And this one's over to Kachuk. That left-handed shot is fanned on, but Kachuk picks it back up, and there's Gaudreau from the slot. Somehow Koskinen finds it, and Johnny Gaudreau looks a little surprised. I think he thought he was about to make it 7-3. to three. Gargantuan stop there for Miko Koskinen. Your team just scored. You're trying to get back into this. That's the best save of the game right now. Absolutely. Going left to right, he slides across, and Johnny Gaudreau was only about 12 or 14 feet out, right in the heart of the slot. And, uh, you know, you'd normally expect a goal scorer of his caliber to put it away, but the goaltender in that moment was just better than the shot. So, Cooper, man, I mean, between the nine goals that we've seen right now, I, I'll still say this. I know it's going to lead into the intermission a little bit when we get closer to it, but this is just a game one performance that we 
we're probably going to see a lot of goals, no doubt about it, but not to this extent, I wouldn't imagine. I imagine game two is going to a little bit be more subdued, or at least you would hope, because his goaltender's goals against average are going to be hurting a little bit. But this has been the explosion of offense that we just... It's been more like the uh, regular season that we've seen between all these teams. You know, forget it between L.A. and Edmonton or Dallas and, and uh, Calgary. You're seeing the correction of the algorithm, if you will. Yes, you make a great point, and it's worth mentioning here that the uh, regular season series between these two teams was split evenly at uh, two wins apiece. Uh, and you're, you're right, you're right, that Jacob Markstrom, who, uh, even though he was overshadowed by the absolutely mind-boggling performance of Jake Ottinger in round one, Markstrom was excellent what? in that series, and he came into this uh, series with a 943 save percentage. That's going to dip a little bit here as he's given up three tonight. I know uh, he's going to want to lock things down as this game continues. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. You want to see some kind of rhythm for some of these goaltenders. He can't continue to get to be the first to ten. <laughs> it's true. I'm, I, I just... I'm already now we're seeing the, the upcoming games here in the uh, round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm going to need more Ds in between these games just to recover <laughs> And I'm not on the ice. This is my. This is this is just mind-numbing stuff. They're, the pace is unreal. Nine goals, six of which scored by the Flames on 35 shots. Three of them scored on 12 shots by the Oilers. The Oilers are going to win this face-off to the right of Koskinen, and McLeod skates this puck up. It's taken on the right wing. There's a shot over the top of Markstrom's net and into the crowd. So play whistle dead with nine minutes and five seconds to go here in the second. So the Oilers looking like they're uh, picking up their pace a little bit, moving their feet and finding some open ice. Uh, that shot, even though it didn't require a save by the Flames goalie, uh, came from the open right wing as we get a shot of Woodcroft on the bench, the leader for the Oilers, and of course one of his assistants, former Flames head coach Glenn Gullitson. So just another interesting wrinkle in this battle of Alberta. Michael Backlund is waved out of the face-off circle, and former Tampa Bay Lightning man Blake Coleman, who's put two into the net tonight, will take the face-off on his backhand. And that one is won back by the Oilers. There's a shot through traffic, and it bounces just to the right of Markstrom. Mark, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm having a, I'm having a night. Markstrom's <laughs> net <laughs> as the Flames gain possession. Michael Stone goes right to left, but the Flames promptly give away the puck, and it's taken by Evander Kane. So the big body for the Oilers on his forehand, sends this one off of a stick blade, and of course, it promptly, after shooting, wants to get into some fisticuffs with Flames defenseman Michael Stone. He's skated away by the officials. 8.41 to play here in the second. John, my gosh. We're going to have I so can... much to talk about, my friend. You, anyone, yes, you we are. Yes, we are. And look who's on the ice for Edmonton. Leon Dreisaitl with Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers are going to make a bid here to narrow this lead for the Flames even further. They were able to do so a few minutes ago, making it 6-3 on Zach Hyman's shot. The Flames are able to win the faceoff here, and Noah Hannafin trying to chase down the puck. Guess what? He can't do so against Connor McDavid. But now this one goes right to left. Oilers will punch back into the zone, and it uh, looks like Matthew Kachuk thought that hit the netting, but play continues here. The puck squirted out in front, and skating it up 
into neutralizes Elias Lindholm. Johnny Gaudreau holds at the near boards, and there's a shot from point blank, and it's saved by Koskinen. Koskinen with another huge stop, could be 7-3. Gaudreau waited for Kachuk all the way across the ice. Now this one is loose in front of Markstrom in the Calgary end, and the Flames get that one out, but it's slapped back all the way around the end boards. Noah Hannafin backhands it to his partner Rasmus Anderson inside eight minutes to play here. Tons of chances now for both squads as Rasmus Anderson knocks it back to the Oilers' end, picked up there by Duncan Keith. So Duncan Keith settles, stretch pass there, connects with, looks to be Derek, uh, not, not Derek Broussard, I'm not sure, I couldn't get a number on that one, but nice pass by the Oilers, but now back to the Flames goes possession, and Milan Lucic fights for the puck with Trevor Lewis, it's in the far corner there, picked up by Brett Ritchie, but taken back by Nugent Hopkins. But the Flames hold it in. Nice active stick there by Nikita Zadorov. There's a shot and a glove save. My God, just don't know. How many times have I said my goodness or my gosh? I'm repeating myself and hearing it. Whew, John, this is, has been a wild contest between these two teams. At some points, man, it feels like a scrimmage that we're seeing on the ice. This is absolutely incredible, the amount of offense between these two teams. We're... We're definitely watching a treat, and we're watching a showcase, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and, and who knows? I mean, only time will tell, of course, whether or not this is a, a harbinger for the rest of the games, however many there are in this second-round series, or if this is an anomaly. But you're right. It's a scrimmage, or it looks like a practice. It's like we're getting line rush practice. <laughs> it's just, you know, three-on-one practice, three-on-twos. That's what we seem to be getting shift in and shift out here as the Flames have possession. It's rimmed around the boards. And held in by Oliver Shillington. He tries to backhand it to Milan Lucic and does. Lucic backhands it to Brett Ritchie. Now he's bumped off the puck there by Tyson Berry. And the Oilers will skate it in here. Lucic chases it down. The pass goes over to Bouchard. And Bouchard sends it to the high slot area. 6.45 to play here as the puck is deflected down. Icing will be waved off. It's picked up behind Koskinen by Darnell Nurse. Now the Oilers will stretch past this one and deflect it into the flame zone. Chasing down is Good Branson, but it's handled there by Markstrom, and the puck bounces off of a body forward to Toffoli. Toffoli skates it forward and snaps it into the Oilers zone. Koskinen pushes it out from behind his net, and leaving it there for Yarncroak is Dylan Dubé. Now in the trapezoid is Toffoli. He looked to center, but goes back, and now a blown-up stick. We have, That is Nikita Zadorov who smashes his stick. And he skates back without the wood, and the puck is loose in front of Markstrom. It scoots past the right post. Mike, I'm able to barely able to hold myself together here. Oilers with possession, wraparound attempt here, shot, and a score. And oh my goodness, Hyman with his second, and the Battle of Alberta is officially on. John, it's six four, and it seems like the tide has turned. Cooper, it's one of those freak things where a stick just breaks in half, and the way that this game's been going right now, that just gave Edmonton a chance to be able to try to get back into this one again, and Zach Hyman's already got his second. Former U of M Wolverine is uh, making a statement there, but Edmonton got a little puck bounce there, a little stick break, and now it is 6-4. It is 6-4, and uh, just prior to the goal, the puck scooted just beyond the right post, Markstrom now having given up four goals, none of which, other than one, uh, which bounced off his blocker, have really fully been his fault, so to speak. But the Flames 
are losing some of the edge that they gathered for themselves here. They were up uh, six to two at one point. It is now six to four, and the puck bounces in front. But Michael Backlund is unable to control. Now it trickles across the Edmonton blue line. It's held there and passed left. Excuse me, right to left. Now sidestepping a check is Connor McDavid. Noah Hannafin has to chase down the puck to stop the Oilers captain from creating his own scoring chance as he so often does. A shot in is gloved down by Koskinen and dropped for Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl moves left to right and he gives to McDavid. McDavid now working on his own. The puck is tapped away and into the neutral zone. And Kachuk takes a bit of a high hit there from Darnell Nurse. Looks like he got his fists up in the face area. Of course, no call. Play continues. 4.53 to go here in the second period. 6-4 Calgary, but the lead has dwindled in the past few minutes. Nikita Zadorov there, whose stick blew up on the last goal-scoring play for Edmonton. He had the puck, and excuse me, Michael Stone, wearing 26, not 16 for the Flames. There's Johnny Gaudreau, fakes the slap shot into the zone, and it puck remains at neutral ice. Now Elias Lindholm will chip this one in. Oh, I am fully exhausted, and we haven't even reached the third period, John. This is a crazy, crazy game. This is something that I don't think I've ever seen before in a playoff game, and I don't say that lightly. No, I agree with you. Uh, I'm basically at this point just trying to keep up with these plays as best I can. Good Branson gives to Brett Ritchie. Brett Ritchie a goal scorer tonight as we approach the 16-minute mark with four minutes to go here in the second period. Good Branson holds. Goes nice angled pass there to Trevor Lewis. Gives to Milan Lucic. Sort of a shot pass there that slides past Koskinen to the left. It's picked up by Zach Hyman, who just like Blake Coleman for the Flames is one goal away from a hat trick. Now Michael Stone has the puck, and the Flames defenseman is able to get that one to Lucic, who deflects it into the Oilers zone. He's fighting there with, is that 50, looking like 52? I'm just having trouble seeing the number there. It might have been... I would normally say Kyler Yamamoto, but Yamamoto's a little more diminutive there. So Kelly Yarncroke has the puck at neutral ice and doing some nice stick handling there. Gets a shot on, and Koskinen has to make a glove save and will hold there. 3-2-1 on the clock. That's how much time we have left in this period, and it's a 6-4 scoreline. It looks like we're going to get a commercial break here, and none too soon. Oof, John, do you think the Flames need to score another one here to get uh, their mojo back? Uh... I definitely would say so. I mean, you look at the score sheet, 3-3, three, three, it looks like they've maintained, but that's if you're not watching this game right now. You're calling it, and we're doing some of this work here together, and it feels like the Flames have lost a couple of steps here, and if they're not careful, it only takes, like you said, we just saw the stick break there for Zach Kyman. If we're not careful, this game could uh, turn around very quickly. Yes, it could, and when we're uh, in the commercial break now, and I am, I'm, I'm truly, this is, this is something I'm experiencing for the first time, too. I'm barely able to gather my thoughts. Uh, you know, I think that Matthew Kachuk's play has been so great to see in this game. Uh, and, and his chemistry with Gaudreau and Lindholm is, is on display, as it has been really throughout the season. But what Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl did really to keep their team in this game when it could, I mean, I, and I said it myself, and maybe I, maybe I broadcast or jinxed myself by saying the route is on. McDavid and Dreisaitl combined for beautiful hockey plays 
the likes of which that many other players could only ever hope to make. Exactly. And they, I think they kept the belief in their in their team. There's a definite rally point there. Again, they were up down 3 nothing. Jay Woodcroft has to call the timeout and make the goalie switch. It looked like the game could have been completely one-sided, and the two superstars put it on their back, as they've often done, to make this a 6-4 contest with 3.21 left to go in the second. I keep saying that because we've already had 10 goals in this contest, so who knows what's going to happen in the upcoming moments. We've still got another period. Still have another full period. Uh, I certainly hope there's only one full period to remain, <laughs> along, along with this 321 here in the second. And uh, fans of both squads up on their feet here, cheering their teams on as the Flames win an offensive zone draw here. Stone is bumped off the puck, but he regains control right away, although his backhanded pass is errant, and it is lost. Now racing down for the puck are the Oilers, but Markstrom steps out of the crease and he sends that one off the glass into the neutral zone. But now it's back in Calgary territory where Stone has a moment to gather himself and sends it forward. Now they'll go for a change, the Flames will, with uh, just less than three minutes to play here in the second period. Skating forward for the Oilers is Ryan McLeod. Puck is taken right there and coming in, and a save made! A huge save! It could have been 6-5, then a save made by Markstrom all alone, I believe that was, was that Evan Bouchard, the defender? Yes. We'll get a replay of that in a moment. Uh, thank you for confirming, John. That was Evan Bouchard skating in. He was just expecting to be on a four-check. And the Flames give the puck away, and Markstrom made, I argue, his biggest save of the night right there. Going down to a one-goal margin is absolutely the last thing the Flames would want right here. So Noah Hannafin on the puck now. He's pushed off by Jesse Pugliarvi. A couple players go down, including Pugliarvi. Now it's back at the right point. Slapper, and that one challenges Markstrom but goes wide. And now here comes Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman looking for his third goal of the night. Would love to see some red hats as opposed to orange hats hit the ice this evening. Inside two minutes to go here in the second period. Stretch pass attempted by the Flames. It's broken up by Edmonton. But Michael Backlund now has a shot attempt. Doesn't make it through traffic. And here come the Oilers the other way. Connor McDavid, he's racing in. He tries to leave it for a teammate. But the Flames able to intercept that one. Nikita Zadorov chases down in the far corner of his own end. And you might have heard me sigh there a moment ago. That wasn't me being dramatic. I'm just trying to literally keep my breath. Milan Lucic now gives to Brett Ritchie. Brett Ritchie sends it on that. And that one is off of the blocker of Koskinen and up into the net with one minute and 23 seconds to go here before the break. One that I will welcome so we can <laughs> gather ourselves. And at this rate, I would say, what are we going to expect in the third period? I mean, I think we have the evidence. I think we're going to see some more goals in the third. Definitely some more goals. I think that drop pass for Connor McDavid to Evander Kane might have been a mistake. He could have been one-on-one -on -one with the goaltender and doing some damage. I agree. With uh, his level of skill, you'd think that he'd want to take that opportunity, but uh, something that he saw there prompted a pass, and there's a loose puck in the crease. Flames charging and banging away at it, and now this shot is off of Koskinen and wide into the corner. Great opportunity there for Calgary to put in their seventh of the night, but they're not able to do so. And there's a deflected puck that goes just wide of Koskinen's net. It's held in by Calgary. It's chipped along by Dubé, and Yarncroke will chase down. In the corner there is Kulak. He tries to kick the puck along, but it's held by Yarncroft for the moment. He gets it back to a teammate, and Rasmus Anderson will gather in the near corner, tries to find 
Noah Hannafin at the left point. Now this one's off a of body. Here come the Oilers, and they score again. This is now three unanswered goals, and it's Leon Dreisaitl. This is a 6-5 to five game. I cannot even believe that I am saying that right now. It was 6-2 to two at the beginning of this period. It is that it was six. It was what was it, John? Five one. Yes. Five to one, and now we are talking about a six five game. And guess who has drawn this game even closer? Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid just got the puck in between the middle of the red line off a fortunate bounce, dropped the right to Drysaddle, and what a goal that was! Six five with twenty five seconds left in the third. I don't know if we're going to survive this one, folks, but it's been fun. <laughs> Boy, it, is, uh, it has been something, that's for sure. As There's a blown tire by a flame, and now coming in is, I think, Derek Broussard. It's in the far corner. The Flames fighting for possession here. Play has absolutely shifted in a monumental way. We're inside 20 seconds here. This should be an icing call, though. Johnny Gaudreau's on his horse, but no, he won't get there in time. CC will. And the uh, modern no-touch icing in play. CC was closest. And this face-off will come back in Calgary's end. John, uh, I'm, I'm literally squinting. I feel like I have a migraine headache. I can barely comprehend what we're seeing. Well, if there is any intents and purposes where you want me to jump in here for you, I will gladly do that. But I saw a dry settle there hit a moving puck out of midair. Now McDavid's getting wrapped down in behind the net. How skilled do you have to be to hit a rolling puck like that? My goodness. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And I want to welcome uh, D. Elliott and Patrick here to the broadcast. You're along for a heck of a ride, gentlemen. Of course, we uh, have hit the intermission here, so we're going to get a bit of a break. Uh, John Ott. Uh, the color man tonight and I will uh, have plenty to talk about. Unbelievably, this game is 6-5. to five. Calgary with a narrow advantage now. What looks to be a rout, it was 5-1. Calgary, multiple un unanswered goals for Edmonton, and it is a 6-5 scoreline. John, as we head to the break... I, I, I truly, I, I, I'm re repeating myself over and over again tonight i don't know what to say i don't know what to say it's literally the bullet point now as we go to the break everybody gets a goal in calgary it certainly feels that way and that everybody applies to both teams it's, it's bushels on both sides so let me throw a few stats and from what we have it's 40 shots on goal to edmonton's 18 if you look at that in a vacuum you would think this game is going to be wholeheartedly one-sided now look We've said about Jacob Markstrom being excellent throughout the first series, and he was, like a 947 save percentage. You're going to do that. But if you're looking for the absolute elite ability, and again, we've talked about this many times in the open, but between uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid, if they get any kind of puck bounce and any kind of space and separation, they have absolutely dominated. Again, that's not to disclose anything from Zach Hyman. He got maybe a little bit lucky there on a broken stick there from Zadorov, which ended up making it a 6-4 game at the time at 14:06. But again, Leon Dreisel scored at the end of the period when Cooper and I were talking about on the other side as it was turning. Calgary needed to be the team that scored at the end of the period to kind of get some of that momentum back. So 18 shots on the shot board, five goals here for Edmonton. And again, like you said, what once was a 5-1 lead 
for Calgary is turned into a game one where at times it looked like a scrimmage. You almost forget it's a playoff game, but we got a game to win here, and we don't know who's going to take it. It's true, and I want to welcome What's Up Falcons to the broadcast, too. We're at our second intermission, 6-5 Calgary. This game has been unlike any truly I've ever seen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, John, let's, uh, let's do something that we know we can do successfully because it's been uh, an incredible challenge just to follow the pace of play in tonight's game. Let's go through. I'm going to take the first period. You take the second because that's the okay. that's the heavy load. Let's go through tonight's goals. So right away to start tonight's contest, Flames first line center Elias Lindholm scores his fourth of the playoffs just 26 seconds in with assists from Rasmus Anderson and Johnny Gaudreau. And then literally seconds later, Andrew Mangiapane with an assist from Michael Backlund, puts in his second of the playoffs. That was inside one minute. Then the Flames make it 3 nothing at the 6.05 mark of the first period. Unassisted was Brett Ritchie for the Flames. And then Connor McDavid, in uh, what we didn't know at the time, a sign of things to come, McDavid puts in his fifth at the time. Uh, that was 7.41 of the first period, an unassisted goal to make it 3-1. And then, John, take it away. We reach so, the second period, which we just exited. So as the second period that we're just finished up here had hit, Jay Woodcroft already used his timeout, the Edmonton head coach, and switched goalies. Mike Smith, who was excellent in the seven games against the Los Angeles Kings, brought in Mikko Koskinen, and the pain continued. Blake Coleman scored his first of the playoffs from Rasmus Anderson and Andrew Majapani, and then Blake Coleman again at the 6-10 mark from Lewis and Noah Hannafin, and then Edmonton. They did not go away in this one. Evan Bouchard, the defenseman, assist by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl at the 7-10 mark. It was Matthew Kachuk off some beautiful puck movement and a rebound. Snipe shot puts it in, 8-24, from Tyler Toffoli and Johnny Gaudreau. Zach Hyman, this was one that... Should have probably been had there for Jacob Markstrom. He just flubbed it off the glove save. It bounces in at the 9.38 mark. Makes it a 6-3 contest. So Calgary's lead starts to dwindle. It was insisted by Ryan Nugent Hopkins at 14.06. Hyman one more time. It was a broken stick there by Zadorov, which allowed everybody to get in on the races. It was assisted by Kaori Yamamoto and Ryan Nugent Hopkins one more time. And then just as we ended this second period, Leon Dreisettle and McDavid, after a puck was fluttered in toward the red line, they cross, crisscross perfectly. McDavid drops it to Dreisettle. McDavid gets his 12th assist of the playoffs, and Dreisaitl already has his sixth goal at the 1921 mark of the second. So what was once a 5-1 lead for Calgary is now 6-5. And again, I don't say this lightly between Cooper and I. We mean this wholeheartedly. This is something that you don't normally see in a playoff game. This looks more like a regular season game, let alone scrimmage. At times, when Calgary was being so dominant, and again, the shop board dictates that too, still, even with the score line, it looked like there weren't five players on the ice here for Edmonton. But boy, to their credit, they've turned that around, and they're superstars. They've played like superstars, and it's a 6-5 game. It's anyone's contest, and, and I think, Cooper, I will say this, not to be lost in anything that we've seen right now. This is game one of a Western Conference semifinal. There's a lot to take here. Even though it looks like a scrimmage, it makes you forget that we're doing a game one of a playoff in a semifinal, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. I mean, this is a, this is a style of play I've really not seen in a playoff game before. I mean, I know, look, we were talking about this early in the first period. Uh, there were high-scoring games between the Oilers and the Kings, uh, but nothing of this magnitude. And the Flames missing Chris Tanev tonight, their best defensive defenseman, and uh, on the other side, Leon Dreisaitl, who was questionable for the game with a high ankle sprain, uh, an issue with, I believe, the right leg. He is in the game and has looked uh, like there is no issue whatsoever. Um, I can't believe it, but the Flames, again, led 5-1, 5-1, and 6-2 in the second period. We're going into the third period 6-5. to And now here's the, the fun part, a little less fun for me, as admittedly a Flames fan. Uh, John, tell me what your thoughts are. I don't want to go into this hypothetical. It's a dark, dark place, my friend, but we have to explore it. If the Flames end up losing this game after having leads that large, what kind of problems does that create as we move forward in the series? That's a good question. I think we talked about some of the stuff in the first intermission here for Edmonton as far as Mike Smith and Koskinen and who's going to take some uh, goal tandem, who's going to you know take the stake in that. So... I think both teams are really going to have to answer their own questions here. So I'm going to reflect it like this. I don't know, again, if it's a death sentence. It's not going to be a death sentence against Calgary. They can certainly rebound, but you can't have a game like this when you just couple mistakes here and there. And again, not to their own fault in certain instances, as you've said, but there's a couple shots that Jacob Markstrom would have liked to have had back. And in a game like this, you don't get do-overs. It's 6-5 now. You have to find a way to win this one somehow. You have to put all this stuff in the past. And I, we talked about this in the first intermission. This could just be one of those ones, at least I'm hoping, in terms that I want to see more defensive hockey a little bit. I love goals just as much as the next guy, but 11 goals, this is absolutely ridiculous. There's going to be a little bit of a correction in Game 2, but Calgary absolutely needs to make sure that Whatever they have to do as far as keeping their shift short, keeping attention to detail, making sure all five guys enter the zone at once, try not to get too deep and too far ahead. I'm not saying defensive shell, but you certainly can't go out there trying to look for a break because if you do that, Connor McDavid and Drysettle, again, you mentioned there with the injury, I don't personally see it myself. This guy looks all world. Uh, this could be bad, but Calgary, I should think, even no matter what happens with this game, They'll find a way, but, man, this is a game that definitely makes your head spin. And when I'm trying to give you a definitive analysis here, there is nothing definitive about this game, my friend. That's for sure. Agreed. As, as usual, uh, I fully agree with that assessment. And, you know, John, because we covered multiple games, uh, the Flames played against yeah. the Dallas Stars in their previous round. Something that just uh, sort of landed on my brain that I want to ask you about is Markstrom's play in part a product of having not played a game like this, like the one that we're seeing tonight with so much action and so much emphasis on goal scoring and, and scoring opportunities? Is some of his play a result of just having not faced this type of a challenge as a goaltender in multiple weeks? That Dallas series goals were so hard to come by, and then the Flames, as we have uh, mentioned many a time, their strategy was literally, it's two words, shot volume. They just needed to basically tip the scales in their favor 
shoot as often as they possibly could and as many times as it took to beat to beat Jake Ottinger. Dallas, a defensively minded team, the only team in the playoffs they were no longer, but they were at the time the only team with a negative goal differential in the regular season. So that's my question to you. Do you think that some of these there have been one or two that De- Martian would definitely like to have back, but do you think that the play is a product of just not experiencing this type of offensive onslaught for weeks? Look, it's, it's the sense of, as you said, Dallas was not really a offensively capable team outside of Pavelski, Robertson, and if you want to put Rope Hintz, even though he was injured a little bit on the end of it and that first line. He did not True. get the same type of shot volume, that's for sure. But again, Edmonton in this game only have 18 shots. He's given up six goals. Maybe three of them were on Markstrom and three of them were not. He's got to be better, no no doubt about it. And again, you have a 943 save percentage. And I, I don't want to throw Markstrom under the bus here because he's a Vesna candidate for a reason. But they need him to play strong in this third period. There's no doubt about it. If he goes into it and has another period like... One and two here, we're going to be getting first to ten, my friend. There's no doubt about it. So he he hasn't seen McDavid and Drysaddle. That's a hundred percent. Again, you play them in the regular season, but Dallas couldn't even hope to do something like this in seven games combined. So this is an avalanche of goals, but he's definitely got to respond. I will tell you that. Yes, he does. Definitely has to respond, uh, and you know. said it, you made a great point that, that the Oilers uh, are putting on the ice tonight, but the fact that Markstrom is facing two of the best players in the league, and and no, not to discredit Robertson, I mean, but listen, no, he's Robertson, fantastic. a yeah. rookie, not to discredit Joe Pa, but Joe Pa, nearing the end of his career, still a, a solid goal scorer, uh, makes a difference on the ice, but Connor McDavid, he is not, and uh, Markstrom has certainly been affected by the elite level of play that 97 and 29 have shown tonight. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Cooper. I mean, there's been so many goals. I know you've had to call all this stuff, and I feel for you on the other side, so I'm trying to chip in where I can on that. But there's been so much stuff in this offense to make your head spin. I mean, this is literally three games worth of offense, three, four games worth of offense that we've gotten in the previous series all in one on this. So there will be some corrections. I keep going back to that because there just has to be. You can't have 11 goals in a, uh, a playoff game through a second period. And look, I'll take this one step further. Whether you're Jay Woodcroft or you're Daryl Sutter, okay, you're going to be happy to win the game one way or the other, but you're going to say, guys, look, we got to clean this up on defense. And I know the goalies haven't been held out to dry in a lot of situations, but both teams got to be better on defense. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's that simple and it's that true. And uh, unless the game does a complete 180, it's not going to stop at 11 goals. No. You would think that uh, both of these teams are, are more than capable uh, and more than likely to put at least one more piece in. Uh, I, I hope that the Flames are able to get back to their scoring ways as they did in both the first and second periods. They scored goals within the first 60 seconds. And in the first period, as we noted, two in the first 60 seconds. So maybe we'll see more of that. Uh, but either way... I mean, it's now it's almost like playing the lotto. How many goals will this game have when it's all said and done? 
uh, I call all tickets, my friend, because there's been a lot of goals here. You think of Dan Vladar on the bench here right now for Calgary, he's happy he doesn't have to come in and play this game? Well, you know, I won't lie, his name crossed my mind just as we were having this discussion a few minutes ago. Uh, after having given up five, I, I'm curious, and I think it would, of course, depend on the type of goal, but if it's a shot that Daryl Sutter deems stoppable by Jacob Markstrom, certainly if this game is tied under those circumstances, at that point, do you see Dan Vladar? Do you really take your Vezina candidate off the ice just to mix things up, or do you keep Markstrom in until the tables really turn and only pull him if the Oilers take a lead? I think you and I would both agree that he's going to stay in, but this game, we've seen everything that likes that we haven't seen in a long time, literally ever in a playoff game. So anything is possible right now. This feels like Friday the 13th. Uh, it is 18 saves, or 18 shot attempts against Jacob Markstrom for 13 saves, a 722 save percentage. And on the other side, it was Mike Smith pulled after just making 7 saves out of 10 shot attempts, a 700 save percentage. Mikko Koskinen, he's been pretty strong since he's been in net for as much as you could be, 27 out of 30 for a 900. So Koskinen's kind of kept his team in the game, I will say that. So there is a lot of intrigue left in this third period, and as you've talked about here, Cooper, early, this is a game with Calgary being up by four at many times, up as much as 6-1. You need to get this game in any way possible. It doesn't matter what the scoreline says. At the end of it, Calgary is going to have one more than Edmonton. Sometimes they just got to keep it simple, and that's the game that we're seeing right now with 11 goals already across. You cannot lose a four-goal lead you're not going to feel the same way going into game two. As we've said, there will be a little bit of a bounce back. It's not going to bury either one of these teams if they lose. But Calgary, with all the momentum, Edmonton comes storming back. We're going to see a goalie pull. We're definitely going to see more goals. I would bet my life on it. And uh, we'll see who ends up taking this one. I'm just wondering, my friend, uh, as far as my story that I write at the end after doing the play-by-play -play with you, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> So. No, you certainly you certainly have a mountain to climb. I don't envy you. Um, and, John, I know you just went on a, a big run there a moment ago. Uh, maybe we can just quickly go over the, uh, the out-of-town scoreboard, as it were. Uh, I just need to take a quick break, and I'll be right back with you. Okay, no problem. I'll definitely do that. So, for Carolina, it is, again, no Freddie Anderson for the second series in a row. All the pressure is going to be on Auntie Ranta. Auntie Ranta's been there for a long time in the NHL. Again, it was his first playoff start going into Boston, Boston, and Carolina. It was a battle of who can just win every game on home ice. And Carolina won all four at PNC, able to win that one in seven. So the New York Rangers, they came off a win against the Pittsburgh Penguins in seven. We would see how they would start. It started out well for the Rangers as Philip Seidel scored at the 7.07 mark from Alexei Lafreniere. There was no goals to speak of in the second. It was Sebastian Ajo at 1737. It looked like the Carolina Hurricanes might lose the, the game 1-0. Empty net pull kind of turned that around for Ajo in his third of the playoffs. Thibaut Teravainen got the assist with the rookie Seth Jarvis, who continues a very, very strong campaign 
all the way through the playoffs. Ian Cole got the winner in overtime at the 312 mark from Jesperi Kotniemi and Brennan Smith. So if you're keeping in track, like we talked about in the first intermission between Stanley Cup playoff pictures and fixtures and all of that, Wayne Gretzky had the winner of the Stanley Cup to be the Carolina Hurricanes. He had them taking out the St. Louis Blues. Now for me, for Carolina, I've covered a few of their games, not only on ColorCast, YouTube, and all those sides of things. They are an excellent team. They're probably one of the best well-rounded teams that we have in the entire league. I'm concerned if Freddie Anderson doesn't come back, but if Carolina, with Jacob Slavin and the rest of everyone else in there on defense that are really, really good, they have a chance. But Carolina and St. Louis, that's definitely interesting. I wouldn't be picking what the great one picks, but again, he was 8 for 8 in the first round. No doubt about it. I'm back, my friend. Thank you for the uh, breakdown. And I'm almost afraid to say this. We are back for action here. I feel like a puck's going to come through the screen and hit me in the face. There have been so many shots taken and so many goals scored tonight. And the third period is now underway here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's game one. 6-5 Flames with the narrow lead. And it bears mentioning again, at one time in the second period, the Flames led this game 5-1 to one and then 6-2. to two. And we are 15 seconds into our third period here. And the Flames are in possession momentarily and then give this one away in the neutral zone. And the puck ski, uh, squirts all the way back to Jacob Markstrom in the trapezoid. And now it's knocked over to Tyson Berry of the Oilers. On his right shot forehand, he sends this one up for a stretch pass, and that one is connected with Yessi Pugliarvi with an opportunity, and the Oilers pick up right where they left off. Coleman tries to put a check into one of the Oilers there, and uh, sorry, I just had a little issue with the feed at ESPN. Now it's back right away, and we have some extracurricular. Looks like Blake Coleman wants to get involved with Tyson Berry. Little pushing and shoving behind Koskinen. And we're going to get some replays now of the excellent play of Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, John, Dreisaitl and McDavid, as they are so frequently, they have been the difference in this game. And we're seeing that neutral ice sort of deflection over to Dreisaitl where he wristed one under the glove of Markstrom. Uh, and that is just what they do. They just make plays, plays that other players can't. No doubt about it. It's one of those ones that we talked about from the first series, now going to the second. It's been on the heavy load of those two players. It's come back to normalcy a little bit, if you will. Yes, it has. And the Flames able to win an offensive zone draw here. Again, it, uh, it's worth stating that the Flames had trouble with that during the Dallas series as they try to get a couple shots on net here, but none make it through traffic. And the Oilers will skate this one away. It's dumped into the near corner. Ryan McLeod tries to skate things down, but Blake Coleman picks up there. He's checked, so it's turned over, and a sharp angle shot goes past Markstrom, and it looks like it's up and out of play into the stands. So, five goals allowed on 18 shots through two periods. A 7.22 save percentage, as mentioned by John just a bit ago, and the worst save percentage to win a playoff game in the Stanley Cup final, excuse me, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, 7.50, and that's happened four times. Credit to ESPN for that stat. I didn't know it. Wish I didn't have to think about it. But that's what Jacob Markstrom's staring at right now. So hopefully he can... Boy, would I ever say this? Bump. Oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry, John. Uh, I just noticed what happened. We have a tie hockey game. Um, I'm... 
I'm losing my ability to not only <laughs> remain impartial, but to just call the game in general. It is now 6-6. Kyler Yamamoto, former Seattle Thunderbird, I believe, in the WHL, puts the puck behind Markstrom, and we're back to square. Cooper, we just talked about this in the intermission. I was half-jokingly about Dan Vladar, but that's got to be stopped by Jacob Markstrom. Even I'm upset by that one. Yeah, this is a, it's a tough one, and I'm, I uh, thanks for bearing with me. This has not been my my best performance as Yamamoto puts in his second career playoff goal. 90 seconds into the third period, the Oilers do a Flames impression and score right away in the third to tie this hockey game. And what looked to be completely lopsided just uh, a period ago is back to even. I, I can hardly even believe that is the fact that I am stating. And the Battle of Alberta is on as we get a shot of the Flames bench. And it looked like I was staring at a row of mannequins, just expressionless. On the bench are the boys in red. So the puck in the near corner in Calgary's end, picked up by Lindholm. Johnny Gaudreau backhands this one to Nikita Zadorov. He skates forward with Kachuk. Kachuk, the far corner, gets it back to the trapezoid behind Koskinen. Now Zadorov tries to regain control, does so. Lindholm sends it to Gaudreau. Gaudreau tries to backhand to Kachuk. That pass is intercepted. It's kept in by the Flames, though, and that one, nearly deflected, required a glove save by Koskinen. Now the Flames will skate the puck down one more time. Looks like the first line for Calgary will go for a change here. 17 minutes and 47 seconds to play in the third. 6-6 six, six is the scoreline. The Flames knock this one in. It's picked up by Koskinen, who tries to play it forward. Tyler Toffoli on the forecheck there, along with Dylan Dubé. The Oilers come away with it now and skate it out. That is Leon Dreisaitl, and now here comes a partial breakaway. It's Tyler Toffoli with a wrister, and that one may have been touched by the glove, but either way, it's over the top of the net. So a good opportunity there goes wanting for the Flames. A slapper from the blue line goes wide. Flames keep it in with Shillington. That one's now to Toffoli. Toffoli on his backhand behind the net. He's in the far corner looking for a teammate. He sends that one on. That one is tapped to Koskinen, who has to turn it aside. And here comes... Rasmus Anderson shoots and scores, John. It is the 13th goal of the evening. They will just not turn off the faucet. Both teams scoring now inside three minutes in this third period. And the Flames take a, it must be said, tentative one-goal lead at 7-6. to Amadjapani sauce pass to Anderson cutting into the right faceoff dot. No chance there for Koskinen. Nothing wrong with either team's offense, but can we get some defense, please? <laughs> I am, John, as, as this is happening, I'm getting texts from my, uh, my hockey fan friends, and they're just single syllables. Wow. <laughs> what? Yes. And literally, I got one with a question mark. Huh? But somebody, <laughs> my friend Aaron Crennan, cannot believe what he is seeing, nor can we... 7-6 Calgary, one goal apiece in this period by both teams. And the puck is deflected up and over the boards into the Edmonton bench. So we get another stoppage in play. And Rasmus Anderson is somebody that we mentioned right at the start of this game. He actually had a great season for Calgary uh, in terms of point production. 50 points even. He had four goals in the regular season, 46 assists. And he puts that one in, a huge goal at a big juncture in this game. 
The Flames looked like everything was going against them, and Anderson answers. The faceoff is just to Koskinen's left. McLeod is in. Trevor Lewis is out. He's waved away, and Brett Ritchie will step in. Ritchie unable to win this faceoff, though it's mixed up in the corner, and the Flames actually come away with it. Now this one's sent to the slot. Milan Lucic has the puck bounce off of his stick, and a stretch pass cannot be connected there by the Oilers. So Nikita Zadorov, the big defenseman for Calgary, will send over to his partner Eric Goodbranson. Goodbranson gives to Lewis. Lewis is stood up right there by Evander Kane. And now skating in for the Oilers is Zach Cassian. This one's off to Markstrom's right and bouncing toward the blue line. It will head back to the neutral zone and will be a delayed offside. Calgary chases it down. The Oilers change. And Goodbranson, patient behind his netminder's crease, looks for a stretch pass there. It's deflected in. And now Koskinen comes out and forehands this one along to the near boards on the far side. Backlund picks up in the corner. Nice job by Backlund to keep possession here. And now it's going to be Mangiapane skating things down. He tries to backhand to the point, unable to do so as it's shipped away. Now here comes a partial break attempt for the Oilers. That was Zach Hyman who's looking for a hat trick. So is Blake Coleman for the Flames as we have 15.42 to play here in the third. Puck scoots out of the Calgary zone and into neutral ice. It's taken there by Backlund. He'll chip in. Mangiapane will chase things down against Duncan Keith. And Matthew Kachuk and line one are on for the Flames. And a beautiful blade de deflection right there by Andrew Mangiapane. I thought that one was labeled for the net. But Koskinen gets over in time and makes a huge save, John. As you said, the water faucet continues to run. That was a gorgeous save off the deflection. Great work there from Shillington and Mangiapane, a team up there off the deflection. Again, we're not going to get our definitive goal result until this clock bleeds down to zero. That's what we all believe in a game like this as the Flames get set for an offensive zone draw. 44 shots on the shot board to seven, just 20 for Edmonton, but they have six goals, so it's a 7-6 contest. Boy, John, you, I, I, will, I will give you credit, and this is not blowing smoke. You have been the most steady presence of anything in my world tonight. Your calls as a Calder man this evening have been so appreciated. Uh, this is a learning opportunity for me as a play-by-play -play broadcaster. Never in my life, I don't even know if I would have ever expected to call a game uh, other than maybe a meaningless regular season contest, you know, between like the Sharks and the Kraken. As we get a penalty here, a blatant penalty against Oliver Shillington, that's going to be either holding or interference. Now McDavid mixing it up. With Kane, looks like it chucks in on this play. Drysidel there with Lindholm. Lindholm going at the skates of Drysidel. Now Mike, Michael Stone mixing up with McDavid and Kane. This is all in the corner to the left of Jacob Markstrom. Penalty coming up against Shillington. Uh, boy, lots of my point was I'm learning a lot as a broadcaster, and the Flames will have a lot to learn after tonight's performance, and we'll see if they can stave off. A penalty kill here as Shillington heads to the box. And Shillington took McDavid for a ride and then right in there, Evander King got a good sucker punch right into his face. The former boxer is also going into the box himself, so it should be offsetting four on four, it looks like, on my screen right now, as Evander King and Shillington are in the box. Maybe a four on three. I see Kachuk in the box as well. Yeah, it doesn't take a lip reader here. Let's just say it's a good thing this is color cast. Uh, any, any, anyone who is faint of heart, uh, you don't want to see what kind of language is coming out of Evander Kane's mouth right now. It's a really bad penalty by Shillington. He was beaten to the puck there by uh, none other than 
Connor McDavid had to take him down. McDavid took exception to that. Kachuk gets in McDavid's face. Kane comes and sucker punches Kachuk. That's why he's in the box. And they're still chatting at one another. Uh, Kachuk's got the wry smile on his face. So it will be an Edmonton power play. Uh, the Shillington penalty plus the offsetting minors for roughing to both Kachuk and Kane. So 10 seconds into the power play here. And I think, is it a 5-on-4, John, or are we looking at a 4-on-3? No, 5-on-4. Yes, and seven six. Yes, thank you for confirming. Uh, I didn't see that initially, and the puck is cleared down by the Flames all the way to number nineteen, Miko Koskinen, the netminder for the Oilers, who came in for Mike Smith, who was pulled after giving up three goals in the first period. Now Connor McDavid skates in. He keeps possession. He goes around for the wraparound attempt, and this one is tipped off of a body. It looks like Coleman had that hit off his shoulder. And it drops right down into Markstrom's breadbasket. Connor McDavid almost tied this game on his own. He can absolutely take over any play at any time, John. We are seeing the magic that he has on his stick and in his skates. Witness the wizardry of Connor McDavid just skated through four Calgary Flames to wrap that one around himself for a primo scoring opportunity. And again, Kachuk and Kane are exchanging words. Selfishly, man, I'd love to see these guys drop the gloves before this game is over. This game's had everything. We need a fight now. It's true. This is the Battle of Alberta. We may see an actual battle with gloves dropped. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if we'll see it right when they come out of the box. Sometimes that's the case, uh, but let's just keep an eye on it. And we are at the 14:31 remaining mark here in the third. Uh, and there's a stoppage in play here. One of the officials is over at the scorer's table. Let's see what's going on here. The CBC side just keeps showing Kachuk and Kane, and they have not stopped talking since they've been in the box. It, they have, and you know what's interesting, which I just noticed on the ESPN feed, is Oliver Shillington, who actually entered the box first for Calgary, uh, was sitting in between Kane and Kachuk. That is no longer the case. They are now, well, with a few panes of glass in between, effectively face-to-face. -face. So the Flames able to clear here off the face-off. The puck is held there by Tyson Berry, who will skate forward and quarterback this power play breakout. One minute exactly to go in the man advantage for the visiting Oilers. Oilers moving from left to right, Flames right to left with their classic home red jerseys. Dreisaitl drops off to the left point, now gets the puck back. It's held in by the Oilers. Here's McDavid in the circle. And the near boards, McDavid holds, surveys, looks, cross-eyes pass. Now the puck is back to Barry, back to McDavid. McDavid steps in, McDavid goes to the slot, looks for a pass, and a nice interception there by Calgary. Good stick work. I believe that was Noah Hannafin. He sends it down for a clear. So McDavid off the ice now. The Flames can... Breathe a tiny sigh of relief just for the moment. And the puck is cycled in by the Oilers. Eric Branson with a nice stick right there. Sends the puck out on the clear, and there are 15 seconds to go here in the power play. 13.30 to play in regulation. 7-6 Flames. That is 13 goals scored by these two teams. And uh, I'd be hard-pressed to say there aren't more coming. So there's an icing call as Edmonton knocks this one all the way across the red line behind Markstrom and plays whistled down. Two seconds to go, so Edmonton's still technically on the power play, but that will end momentarily. John, what do you think it's going to take here? I don't think this 7-6 lead is going to hold up for the Flames. You're going to, I, I believe they're going to have to score again. Do you think they can hang on to this, or are they going to have to put some more behind Koskinen? They're going to have to put some more behind Koskinen, and we're not just talking about an empty netter. There's going to be more even strength with goalie goals in here. 
than uh, empty netters, I would say that. Maybe at least a couple more on both sides. That's what it seems like. Agreed. So for the moment, uh, again, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on McDavid at all times. He is on the bench at the moment for the Oilers. Out for the Flames right now is Blake Coleman wearing number 20. He does have two goals on the evening and is just the one away from a hat trick. I said this last period, I'd love to see some hats with the flaming sea rain down onto the ice tonight. That would certainly give me a little bit of relief. But in the Battle of Alberta, game one of this round two series, relief has been hard to come by. And Matthew Kachuk with his eyes on Evander Kane here, we are make that six seconds. I thought it was two seconds away, but six seconds left in the Edmonton power play. Faceoff coming to Koskinen's right. McLeod will take it with Trevor Lewis for the Flames. And this one's won back by McLeod and held by Duncan Keith. So three, two, one, and the penalty expires. Flames pick up possession here and knock the puck back into the Edmonton end. Seven minutes have gone here in this third period. And Kyler Yamamoto, the most recent goal scorer for Edmonton, sends this one into the Calgary zone where McLeod chases it down in the near corner. Zadorov pushes an oiler off the puck there. A little trouble seeing the TV numbers. Apologies. But the puck is taken to the far face-off circle by Edmonton. Calgary having a little trouble clearing their zone here. Nikita Zadorov backhands it to the point, and the Flames eventually get this out. So it's good Branson has to avoid an official. He will chip, and Manjapani will chase. The puck is controlled there by Evan Bouchard and held by Duncan Keith in the trapezoid behind Koskinen. He walks out in front of the crease. There's Bouchard with a stretch pass. It's deflected in. And now Rasmus Anderson chases down. He's racing Josh Archibald. And Archibald and Anderson trap the puck in the far corner. This one squirts free. It's now in the near corner. And Tyson Berry walks it forward. There's a sharp angle shot that bounces off of the leg or skate of Rasmus Anderson. And the Flames having a little trouble once again, clearing their zone here. 12 minutes to play. Slapper, and this one gets, it looked like it, John, you're going to have to help me with that. It looked like it got through Markstrom and then out the other side and did not end up in the net. That's exactly what happened. It went across the blue line, thankfully, for the Calgary Flames. Johnny Gaudreau's now trying to get a one-on-one -on -one with Cody Cece in behind the glass. Uh, you are right. Yes, I am catching up with you right here. I see uh, Michael Stone chasing the puck down. And Elias Lindholm has the puck for the Flames in the far corner, and he flips this one forward. And, of course, John, who is, uh, let's just say he's got his crystal ball, his magic. Uh, saw that one a few moments before I did. And CC against Gaudreau, as was referenced by our color man, John Ott. And the Flames get it out in front. Shot attempt can't be completed there by Elias Lindholm, who had the puck deflected off of his stick. And then a bullet from the blue line comes back in, and now... Here's Matthew Kachuk. He scores! John, once again, your magic is appreciated. You can see the future. I cannot. But my present is a joyous one as it is now 8-6 to six Calgary. Boy, we've seen some puck luck for both sides, haven't we, John? We've seen sticks explode. We've seen pucks bounce off bodies in the neutral zone that create two-on-ones. And now we see the puck deflect off the back of a skater. The, somebody's rear end and Matthew Kachuk who was still on side 
He walks right in and scores. Yeah, he's all by his lonesome. Cody Cece and Drysdale will have to chase. I think Jay Woodcroft might be trying to challenge or something like that or checking a stick or something else toward the bench. Before they showed all that, that was a good snipe there by Kachuk, but it was Shillington with a wry smile to Evander Kane after Calgary scored. That's a very priceless look there by CBC and very appreciated. But I have yet to see what they have going on as far as extracurricular. This goal is going to stand. Jay Woodcroft's just trying to get some clarification there as they're taking a look at it on the CBC side. So Dreisaitl tries to pass it off of his own guy. It's picked up by Kachuk. He's all on his lonesome. Nice bounce there off the skate. It falls to Kachuk and he beats Koskinen clean. So it's 8-6 with 11.05 left to go in the third. 45 shots for Calgary, 21 for Edmonton. But Edmonton's still in this game. We've said we're going to need to see more goals, and it's not definitive yet, Cooper, that's for sure. No, that's that's true, and, and for anyone following along with the video feed, uh, Chuck, who had not yet cleared the blue line in the offensive zone, that was not offside for him because even though the puck did cross into the neutral zone, it was played by an oiler off of an oiler. Yes. The puck was not played in by the Flames, therefore Kachuk is in an onside position, walks in all alone, goes five hole, and we have our fourteenth goal of the night. Eight to six. I mean, John, our post game <laughs> I mean it's just gonna be me lying face down on the floor breathing heavily. That's all my contribution my contribution's gonna be. So ten minutes, twenty eight seconds to go here in the third period. Uh, John is keeping this broadcaster tonight, and Matthew Kachuk keeping things going for the Flames as he scores. And we are nearing the halfway point of the third period. Here come the Oilers two-on-two, two, but a nice back check there. Blake Coleman moving his feet. It's held in by the Oilers, number 97. Do you need a name on that one? You know who that is. The puck loose out in front of the blue paint and cleared out by Calgary. Picked up there by Dreisaitl. He goes cross-ice to 97. McDavid drops off there for Tyson Berry. Some of the heavy hitters out there now in terms of goal scoring. Uh, Vander Kane is also out. He's a heavy hitter in both categories. Now here comes Barry down the right side. He drops for Drysaddle. Drysaddle walks in. Good stick there by Andrew Mangiapane. Mangiapane broke up that play. And now here comes Trevor Lumick. That Brett Ritchie, number 24 for the Flames. Backhands it back to the right point. Make it the half boards. Milan Lucic there. Sends it back around to the trapezoid. Lewis waiting out front. The pass won't come. There's a deflection, but it goes wide of Koskinen's net. And cycles all the way back around where the Oilers will pick up. McDavid's still out here. A bit of a long shift for the Edmonton captain. He will finally head off the ice begrudgingly with 9.18 to play here in the third period. And my brother-in-law texts me. I'm just going to quote him directly. Can't believe what I am watching. That's... <laughs> That is, John, you might have to, I'm going to send you some of the, I'm going to forward you some of these texts here. Uh, and my dad, literally my dad, and yes, we'll get to the penalty here in a moment. My dad just wrote, crazy-ass hockey game. I think that is your article's headline. So, John, as we head to the break here, I'm going to take a break from talking for a second. Give us uh, an idea of what just happened. Looks like Chuck's back in the box. Kachuk is going to get called for clearing the puck over the glass, so it's a delay of game, and begrudgingly for Flames fans, it's an opportunity here for Edmonton to draw closer. It is 8-6. There's so much time left to go in this game with 9.15 left in the third. It's been goals aplenty on both sides, and again, as we've talked about some of the situations where there's been some puck bounces, 
Now you can officially say there's been puck bounces on both sides because that was a big time finish there for Kachuk. Again, Dreisaitl tried to play that off of the skate and because it was last touched, as Cooper elegantly said, by an Ola there, it allowed Kachuk to go in there and snipe it and make it 8-6. But now with Kachuk back into the box after just being in there for roughing, uh, this gives Edmonton and another opportunity for McDavid and Dreisaitl to edge closer and in a game that can really not be predicted the best fortune teller in the world miss cleo couldn't tell you this it is uh eight six so i don't know cooper i mean i thought i joked and said 10 i think we're gonna get to 10 boy i, I think we are too um you know if if the score stays this close i think even even a three goal advantage if the flames were to find a way to kill this penalty uh, and put another one behind Koskinen, uh, you know at some point, even though we said we will see even strength goals with goalies in, uh, I would imagine, even if it's remotely close, the way this game has gone, we're going to see some empty net time as well. Uh, I mean, we could get to 10, 10 or 11. Uh, this game could... It, it, is, it is believable to think that this game could end up 12 to 10. And there's nine minutes to go in the third period, and that is not an outlandish statement. So... Here we are. John and I are somehow making it through this. Uh, barn burner is far too mild a term. This has just been a, a hurricane of, uh, of a game. 8-6 Calgary. We are now 12 seconds into an Edmonton man advantage as we cross fewer than nine minutes to go here in the third period. Now McDavid, with a full head of steam, comes in the right side. He tries to back in this one out in front of Markstrom. Good job by the Flames to just hold him off there. And now they're trying to gain possession in order to clear behind and to Markstrom's left. Body's in the trapezoid now. It comes free. That one goes to Lindholm, chasing it down his backland. And Backlund's able to chip this one down. This one's going all the way down the ice. And he will have to go one-on-one -on -one with Koskinen. Koskinen comes way out. It was a 50-50 puck that if Backlund would have chased down, he would have had a breakaway opportunity. So Koskinen with no option other than to come way out of the crease and get rid of that opportunity for Calgary. So 102 to go here in Edmonton's power play, 8.15 on the clock in the third. Some excited fans, some nervous fans, some excited broadcasters, some nervous broadcasters. As we reach the eight-minute mark here, this one is skated forward by the Oilers. That was Evan Bouchard, and he drops back for none other than the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. You cannot convince me otherwise after what I've seen him do tonight. Connor McDavid is it. I know there's a ton of skill in this league. 97 is the pinnacle. He tries to send this one into the crease. The Flames make a clearing attempt, but it's held in. Tyson Berry back down to Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl holds. Flames doing a good job checking right there, and they're able to chip this one back down all the way to Miko Koskinen. 20 seconds to go here in Edmonton's man advantage. So here comes Duncan Keith with that solidly thick red beard. Looks like a, a logger. And this puck is chipped along the boards behind Jacob Markstrom. Flames able to clear. No, it's held in right there by Duncan Keith. And now here comes Tyson Berry. Fakes the slap shot. Gets card croak, yarn croak down into a blender. And there's a gloved save by Markstrom. Oh, my goodness. Yarn croak went down looking for the shot block. And it looked like somebody had grabbed his jersey and spun him around. And on the shot attempt, Markstrom is able to answer the call. John, we're going to the commercial break here. The penalty has expired. What do you think we're going to get here in the last seven minutes? I know you think that the Flames need to put one more 
by Koskinen, but uh, Markstrom seems to have settled in a little bit. It took him the better part of this game, but uh, that was a nice save right there. That was a nice save, and it's a couple of key power play opportunities for Edmonton that were not converted of late, and that spells big for the Calgary Flames that have been trying to find any way, again, both teams, trying to find any way to stop the other's offense be able to stop the Edmonton Oilers, who have been one of the very best on the power play throughout the regular season and the playoffs. Again, for some of the other things I say about Edmonton as far as their point totals not really matching up as much as you would like, their power play is one of the best in the world. So to be able to get two big stops there, it's meant a lot. And again, they're going to have to, Calgary, deal with an Edmonton push within the next probably three minutes or so before you get close to pulling a goalie. And I would think at this point, usually you would do that more toward the two- or three-minute mark. The way that this game has been, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Jay Woodcroft do it more toward the four-minute mark because you believe in the offense that much. Once again, you make a great observation. That's uh, about the target. I would say that once you cross the four-minute mark uh, with with fewer uh, than four minutes, that basically all bets are off. You could see... Uh, depending on who has the run of play at that point, you could see Koskinen leave the net at any moment. And you know, that's interesting, something you mentioned there a, a few seconds ago. One of the narratives that we actually expected to have to uh, to, to cope with and, and, and see here on the ice is the world-class power play performance of the Oilers and, to their credit, the top-level penalty killing of the Calgary Flames. And we've seen that in play tonight. Absolutely. It's much, much needed right now. There's not been many stoppages as far as either team's offense. You can't discredit those two PK kills that they just had over the last four or five minutes. You're absolutely right. So we're reaching the seven minute, I should say 13-minute mark with seven minutes remaining here in the third. 8-6 Calgary. Michael Stone pins an oiler up against the end boards there, and there's a fight for it in the near corner. It's going to be picked up by Kachuk. He waits for support. He's going to dump this one in and it just trickles past Koskinen to his right. Elias Lindholm is pushed off the puck by former Flame Brett Kulak and the Flames hold in. Here comes Noah Hannafin, flicks this one on net and the deflection opportunity was there. Kulak and Lindholm going at it now as the puck is covered by Koskinen. Play is whistled dead and Lindholm will skate away. Uh, ESPN is having a little issue with their clock at the moment so I'm going to use another resource here and let you know that there seem to be six minutes and 31 seconds to go in this third period. So Daryl Sutter directing traffic as we get a shot of Matthew Kachuk smiling on the bench. What better way to answer one of your rivals than to come out of the penalty box and just a few minutes later score a goal? That's what he did to make this game 8-6. And on the ice now, as we see Blake Coleman again, I'm sure every Flames fan in the building would love to give a free hat to Blake tonight, who's one goal away. And there's a shot from Nikita Zadorov that bounces off a body and not too far wide of the net. And here's a shot from Coleman. Coleman was close to scoring his third right there. And the save was made by Koskinen. Now the Flames try to hold in, but they're unable to do so. Here comes number 13, Jesse Pugliarvi for Edmonton. There's a shot from distance. There's a bouncing puck, and it trickles back into the blue paint, covered there by the left hand and the glove of Jacob Markstrom. Six minutes Eight seconds to play here, and the score remains 8-6 after a couple of good chances on both sides. As you said, Cooper, Markstrom's need to show up big time toward the end of this game, and to his credit, when his team has really needed him, at 6:08 mark, he's been very, very strong. 
Absolutely, and there's a close-up of Pujarvi with a little bit of a grimace and a shake of the head on the bench. He thinks that he could have drawn his team within one, which they were to start this period, but the Flames now leading by two. And out for the face-off is Callie Yarncroke, and the Swedish centerman looks to have won the face-off. It was technically held by Edmonton for a moment, but here comes a partial three-on-two. Yarncroke has the stick on his backhand, flicks this one off the dasher out behind Koskinen to his right, to Foley fighting for the puck in the near corner, and stepping in is Yarncroke, but the Flames aren't able to hold in. Now here comes number 18, Zach Hyman, who's also looking for a hat trick tonight for the Oilers. He can't hold possession, though, and it bounces off of a couple of sticks, and now is out to Tyler Toffoli, who will chip very gently into the Oilers' zone. Five minutes, 30 seconds to play here in this contest in regulation. Now holding the puck for the Oilers is Brett Kumick, that Darnell nurse, and the puck eventually is flicked down past Markstrom, and the Flames have possession there in their own end, and it's on Milan Lucic's stick. Here's a two-on-one. Lucic over two. Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I couldn't see who had that. It looked like it was potentially Dylan Dubé or maybe Trevor Lewis. He tried to bank that one in off of a sprawling Koskinen. Not the best call on that play from me, but uh, an excellent development for the Flames there. They almost stretched their lead to three. It was Lewis to Lucic. tried to bank it right off to Lewis, off the post, it looks like. And Koskinen was trying to make the glove save. He stretched out in the uh, post. Kept it from being another goal here for Calgary. It's still 8-6. It's true, 8-6. Four minutes and 52 seconds to play here in the third. And an icing just stopped play a moment ago. Uh, we will not take a break. We're going to stay here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. This is game one in the first Battle of Alberta in 31 years. Calgary versus Edmonton. There's a slapper, and that one goes wide of the glove, where Markstrom has been beat several times tonight, and it bounces off the end boards. And a, a quick reaction there from the Flames number 25 in net. He'll cover up, and another face-off momentarily. Just when you think you've seen everything, how many times are we going to use that line in this game? Still 4.43 left to go in this contest. It is 8-6 Calgary. Again, they've had a wide margin on the shot board. But Edmonton, to their credit, through some bounces on both ends. Let's be diplomatic and say that for sure. This has been a high-scoring, high-octane offense on both sides. I think no matter what happens between these two teams, you go into that locker room for game two. Thankfully, both these teams and you and I will get a day off here for Friday in terms of all that. But you you got to look at it, be that fly on the wall, and say you need these defenses to play a little bit better here in game two. We love the high-octane offense just as much as anybody else, but this is not indicative of a Stanley Cup playoff semifinal. This might be indicative of the Battle of Alberta, as you said, with all of the Hall of Famers throughout the years from both sides, and make no mistake about it, there's a few Hall of Famers on the ice right now for forecasting that ahead. Excellent game, but we need to see more defense here in Game 2. You're right, and uh, where it is counted most, I'm just going to follow up on something that we were chatting about during a previous break as we're uh, currently in a TV timeout. So Edmonton on the power play tonight, 0 for 4. So the penalty kill has a 100% success rate for Calgary. And on the other side of things, the Flames have put one in on the power play, and that was Matthew Kachuk's first goal. And so they are 1 for 3 on the power play tonight. And, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, that was something that, was to be expected. You know, the, the Oilers with their excellent power play, the Flames countering that with an excellent penalty kill. That's a story that we'll have to 
continue to look at here in the remainder of this game and as the series motors along. Also, face-off win percentage. I want to throw this out from NHL.com. Flames had some struggles during times, especially in ozone draws, but uh, it's fairly even tonight. The Flames with 48% of the face-off wins, 52 to the Oilers, and uh, bump that number up there as the Oilers win that face-off and a deflection. CeCe sends that one down, and it was deflected by a stick. I think it was Derek Ryan, former Flame, but Markstrom had that puck deflect right off him. So we're nearing the uh, point of no return, as John and I were talking about earlier, the four-minute mark, as there are four minutes and 20 seconds to play here. Gaudreau is unable to backhand that one to a teammate in the neutral zone, and Rasmus Anderson has the puck bounce off his skate. The Flames are back in their own zone right now, and the puck's picked up by Evander Kane. He tries to backhand this one as it floats over Markstrom's net. Held in at the blue line, this one off of the left pad. It made it all the way from the blue line to Markstrom's net. And four minutes now exactly to go in regulation. Here's Connor McDavid. He tries to stick check Noah Hannafin there, unable to do so. Hannafin pushes it forward and out into the neutral zone. It's taken by Backlund. Now Coleman, and now hits Gaudreau. Gaudreau and Coleman, two on two. Gaudreau holds, and he gently sends this one toward the net. Coleman looked to have been tripped. No whistle. Play continues. Puck taken here by Darnell Nurse, and it's a breakout here started by McDavid. This one back to McDavid. He goes to Kyler Yamamoto. Yamamoto onside. It's held in there. And a shot from the blue line caught through a little. Well, there was traffic after the play as Markstrom had one of the Oilers dumped right on top of him. But he actually had a clear look at that shot from the blue line and made a nice glove save. John, 3.30 to go. Still anything could happen in this contest. Stone and McDavid came up there together as well. And it, Connor McDavid's had to pay a little bit of a price after every single play stoppage here. Getting punched in the face, kind of moved around, face washed. He's one of the best players in the world. I know he's not going to be intimidated in the least, but it's good to see Calgary not letting him slide off so easily. Correct, and we made mention of uh, a Lucic hit, was, which was clean and fair against McDavid in the first period, but did end up resulting in a roughing penalty. You know, after something like that, you might think that uh, a team might back off just ever so slightly, but uh, they have not. To your point, John, they have kept the body on McDavid and, and made him pay a price for going to those greasy areas. And the Flames have a face-off here that they have won, just to Markstrom's left. And they chip this one all the way down. Could be an icing here if it scoots past Koskinen's net. It will. So with 3.21 to go, Darnell Nurse chases down, and the faceoff will take place one more time in Calgary's zone. Koskinen out of the cage right now. It's Yarncrook and Dreisaitl in on the draw here. Big-time opportunity for Calgary to get one more. So, again, worth mentioning, Calgary with two goals in the first 51 seconds of this game. That's an NHL playoff record. Edmonton trailed 5-1 to one and 6-2 to two in the second period. And here we are with three, and three minutes and 21 seconds to go. 8-6, Calgary with a two-goal lead. Empty net, as John just mentioned, 6-on-5. And this puck flutters to the blue line, but not out. It's kept in by the Oilers. Now, into the slot area. It's backhanded, but off of Zadorov's skate. Held there by the left shot of Leon Dreisaitl now back to Bouchard. He goes back to Dreisaitl at the near half boards. This one deflected in and saved. Two sticks, Oiler sticks, I should say, including Evander Keynes, came through on that shot attempt looking for the deflection. They couldn't get it, and Markstrom did. 3-0-1 to go. It remains 8-6. Not to be lost in all this, like you said, Cooper, Markstrom has been really, really good here in the last five minutes in this third period. 
Yes, he has. And an interesting stat, again, uh, credit to the folks at ESPN. Edmonton has won 28 straight playoff games when scoring six or more goals. The last time they lost when uh, in that circumstance was back in 1985. So here's a great defensive face-off win for the Flames. And this one is deflected all the way down. Should be another icing. And it will be, but for the moment, the Flames have taken care of business and relieved the pressure on their goaltender. Boy, now words being exchanged by Manjapani and I think potentially Derek Ryan. Uh, John, did you get a look at that? I didn't see that on the ESPN side of things, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there are plenty of communication, shall we say, between these two rivals. And the face-off will come to the right of Markstrom. In for it is Backlund for the Flames. He loses it promptly, and it's held in. Left point there. Now at the far half boards is McDavid. Backlund on him, draped all over him, and he will actually win the puck and did backhand this one out, and then it's pushed right back in. And I think an offside call is made. Yes, play will be whistled down as McDavid and Backlund now getting chippy. Evander Kane seems to be the personal bodyguard for number 97 in white as he steps in and has words with Michael Backlund. Yeah, no doubt about it. We've talked and we've seen a lot about uh, Kane and Matthew Kuchuk, especially in the box and things like that. It would not surprise me. Maybe not in this game. I won't get my wish. But Kuchuk and Kane, I want to see them drop the gloves. This has been an excellent contest. Yes, it has. And I was about to say Selkie-level defense from a forward right there. That was Michael Backlund doing a great job to stick check McDavid. And uh, worth noting, uh, and, and, and certainly earned, is the fact that uh, Elias Lindholm, has earned his first nomination uh, as a Selkie candidate, candidate, along with uh, Patrice Bergeron and, oh, a name that is escaping me right now because play has resumed and the Flames have an opportunity, though Koskinen is back in net. They are in their offensive zone. That one was backhanded along by Kachuk, but it will be picked up there by RNH. Ryan Nugent Hopkins flips this one in with 2.20 to play here in the third period. Eight goals for Calgary, six for Edmonton. Johnny Gaudreau gloves the puck down to himself, taps it forward. It's to Coleman, make that Lindholm, and the Flames will put this one to bed. Though I should be very careful as I say that. There's still tons of time, but guess what, folks? It is 9-6 Calgary, and the only person who I really didn't think would get the hat trick, John, is Matthew Kachuk. What a way to answer Evander Kane's chirps. We got a look on the CBC side of Keith Kachuk on the other side could not be more proud of his son and his effort, and both of us included. Excellent game for Matthew Kachuk, very, very deserving. It is now 9-6 Calgary, and when we say we feel like we're safe, I'm going to say it now, but still 2-11 left, but the hats are raining down at the Saddle Dome, and that is just very, very cool. This has been... One of the most fun offensive games that we've ever seen, but it's also probably very, very stressful to call here, Cooper. You've done an excellent job. <laughs> well, I, uh, listen, I appreciate you saying that. It, it certainly took me a, a good 50% of this contest for me just to get in any kind of rhythm, and it was hard to do so. I mean, these, these two teams were back and forth and back and forth, and look who combines on this empty net goal. I mean, we've said this so many times this year, all year long. Gaudreau to Lindholm to... Matthew Kachuk. Just mix those up in a blender. Any combination of those names, they've been golden all year long for the boys with the flaming seas on their chest. And it is 9-6. John Ott, 15 goals in a playoff game. I don't think I ever thought I'd see it. 
No, like I said, I made the comparison of a video game on easy mode. That's what it feels like right now between these two offenses. And it felt like an eternity ago, just a few days ago, when we last did this broadcast and we had that painful conversation about if you didn't beat the Stars, would you have to break up that first line? Uh, no, is your answer right now. They've been absolutely terrific. Everybody's been terrific on that. And this is just a... Breakout that we probably expected, although not to this level, 9-6 with 2-11 left, but difficult series for both teams. They've got the free-flowing offense. Everything else has been all systems go. I think that's the way that Edmonton especially loves to play, and Calgary can do it too, even though Daryl Sutter, I know, he wants to have a little more defense on that side. But, man, this has been free-flowing. This has been fun, and what a game this has been, man. Absolutely, and I, I do like to see some shots here on the ESPN feed of uh, Oiler fans and Flames fans actually with smiles on their faces uh, and directing them toward one another. Uh, there certainly is a, a heated rivalry here. Uh, the Flames have tied the, the top number of goals in playoff history, their playoff history with nine, uh, and I, I do want to mention, uh, it's, always, it's always a happy day when I get to mention my very first favorite Flames player, Theron Fleury. That was the last time the Flames had a hat trick in a playoff game. Theo Fleury in 1995. So Matthew Chuck, uh, although I thought it might be Blake Coleman to do it, it's the Flames' presumed captain to be next season. We'll see. But for now, we're still in this playoff year, and there's still a lot of the Battle of Alberta to take place. We're inside two minutes. Koskinen's back in his net. Nine, six Flames after that hat trick empty netter. From Flames number 19, Jacob Markstrom sort of awkwardly sticks that one forward and away from his crease. And Trevor Lewis fights for it near his bench. Uh, stepping in to assist him is Brett Ritchie. Also fighting for the puck there for the Oilers is Zach Cassian. And things have come to a dead stop along the boards near the Flames players. Haven't gotten a whistle yet as the puck finally squirts free. Rasmus Anderson has to avoid uh, an official. And with 1.15 to play here in the third, he'll skate this one forward. The fleet-footed Swedish defenseman comes all the way from one end to the other and actually gets a shot off. It goes wide of Koskinen, held in by Noah Hannafin. So a minute to play here in the third period. Things look to be determined. But, man, I'm nervous even saying that with 60 seconds to go. 9-6 flames. This puck flutters all the way down and over the glove of Noah Hannafin. Markstrom steps out of his net, backhands it along. It's in the far corner and pushed along there and back to neutral ice. 45 seconds to go here. John, I know you're going to see this game finish before I do, but the Flames fans are starting to rise to their feet here. 9-6 looks to be destined as the final score here. As this one's chipped away in the neutral zone, looks like Mangiapane may have taken a stick to the mouth area, but... Uh, not worst for wear. He stays on the ice. No, actually goes for a change here. But the Flames are going to kill this thing. 24 seconds. Towels being waved here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And the first game of the first Battle of Alberta in 31 years will go to the Calgary Flames as we have 10 seconds to go here. And we also have a fight. Milan Lucic and Zach Cassian drop the puck. Excuse me, drop the gloves. But Cassian in doing so, actually falls, and so the fight could never get started. And also, on the ESPN feed, the clock is showing as running. That can't be correct, as uh, sticks and gloves are everywhere. Michael Stone tied up with Ty Berry. Oh, we're getting body... When you see Michael Backlund holding Archibald, Michael Backlund now involved, Brett Ritchie involved, 
Nikita Zadorov skates over. He's all of 6'6". Six, six. He grabs a fistful of Duncan Keith's jersey. They're over by the penalty boxes now, and Michael Backlund getting face-washed against who he's down on the ice with. But things are getting testy with Michael Backlund, and my fiancé is surprised at the level of violence. And I need to say to Jen, welcome to the Battle of Alberta. John, now it's what we thought we'd see as we get tons of physical extracurricular here as the game comes to a close. I have been waiting for this. Lucic got a sucker punch in on Cassie and hit him with a clean uppercut. That's what started it, even though with a little bit of a high stick. And they had a look of Daryl Sutter in a stone face. No emotion at all. Now we officially have seen everything we've needed to see. This has been a special, special contest here, Cooper, and I am very glad to be able to call this one here with you. Likewise, my friend, and with that, after all of that, what looked like multiple UFC fights happening at the same time, we can put it in the win column. The Calgary Flames take Game 1 of the Battle of Alberta here in Round 2 of the Stanley Cup playoffs by a final score, 9-6. to six. John, this is going to be a heck of a series. I can't wait to do more with you, man. Um, I know I need a rest. I'm going to get some sleep tonight, but give us your final thoughts. What do you expect to see? Are we going to get anything else like this? Do you think it'll settle down? What is coming in this playoff series? It's got to settle down a little bit. I mean, we saw, what, 15 goals tonight here? We've seen a little bit of everything defenses have to be able to pick up a little bit. Again, it's one of those things like we said with all the other high-level talent, we don't need to repeat all the names ad, ad nauseum. But I'll put it to you like this. There's a level of defense, there's a level of pride that has to happen on both sides. Expect a little bit of a correction, but if we get anything like we've just seen in Game 1, I was wondering on both sides if we were going to see a series as good as we just saw within the last for the two teams. It's certainly scheduled to be that way. It's been a ton of fun. And before you end up going, I just want to ask you one last question. I know you said you had stuff going on on Sunday, but I did that call, Game 7, and I know you were on there uh, doing what you had to do. Kachuk scores the goal. I have the admitted voice crack. I, I didn't make it the greatest call, but it was just utter jubilation when he scored that goal, and immediately I thought of you, my friend, as that happened. That had to feel so cool to have them break through that series in the way that they did and to come out and show tonight. What a game we had. What a game, man. After the that the Flames put forward uh, a totally different type of hockey game, having to finally, finally put one pack past Jake Onger, and then to flash forward to a game like this tonight, I, of course, we both thought things would open up a little bit for the Flames. Did I think it would open up for almost double digits in the goal column? Absolutely not. And listen, I want to say this. Uh, you know, I, I, as I've noted in other broadcasts, I try to remain as impartial as possible. Uh, I am a lifelong Flames fan. And what I will say Let's not forget, Kyler Yamamoto, 90 seconds into the third period, ties this hockey game at 6, the 12th goal of the night, and we had just started the third period. And the Flames come back at a moment when it certainly, and John, tell me if you agree, it certainly could have tipped the other way. 
this could have been 9-6 Edmonton just as easily as it ended up being 9-6 Calgary. For anyone that didn't watch the game or listen to the game tonight, that's true words could not be spoken. This game was a roller coaster. It was up to either one of these to be able to take this one. Calgary was able to find it. Certainly, you would feel in that locker room, as you said, being up as much as 5-1 and 6-2, you didn't want to have it swing that way. But we've seen a little bit of everything. This was an excellent game, and hopefully if any of these games could be as half as good as this one, we're in for a treat. Yes, we are, and uh, I know we're both going to get a little bit of rest, uh, but John, what uh, what are you working on next? Are you going to be working tomorrow, calling uh, one, or, one of the two games, or are you going to try to go crazy? I mean, after this marathon, your, uh, your lungs are... Our leather. You could probably call both games at the same time if you had to. <laughs> I probably get an early game tomorrow. Uh, Friday, I will not be able to be on with you, so I don't know if you're calling for Friday. But if if you want to call a Sunday game in this series or anything else, we can uh, communicate and figure that one out. Because I'd love to cover more games in this series. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. We will uh, we will be back together soon, and uh, we will. We will talk it through and pick a good uh, a good spot. And if the games are going to be this exciting, any spot's a good spot. Um, hey, thanks again for joining me, man. And I, I just I love doing these with you. I as much as I'm excited about the Flames scoring nine goals, I hope they aren't all like this because I don't know if I can <laughs> handle it. I mean, I'm going to need an EKG after this. I just it's been wild, but really fun. I appreciate it, man. We will definitely talk soon. And uh, great game. And I can't wait to connect with you again, my friend. Okay, we'll do this again soon, and uh, yeah, chat to you later. Thanks, See you. John. See you. All right.